intellectual and philosophical pleasure. Run fast on Raw Dog Product. Comedy Hits. Channel 
that are unfunny and shitty and weird, but then they try to be funny with each other. I guess it all falls in like the hazing style stuff too. Like that's all they know. Mm. Uh, but first, let's start this out. The number one we- movie last weekend, Chris. Guardians of the Galaxy. And we know that even though we're in the past. It's going... Well, you folks already know it. It's gigantic. Huge. It's gigantic. Well, Chris Pratt was in here right as he was becoming a gigantic movie star. I mean, they've already, they've already confirmed the second Guardians of the Galaxy for 2017. You really are in the past speaking to the future, dude. You're fucking Nostradamus. Thank you. I'm going to play some numbers tonight. By the way, the really hilarious uh, things that they do to each other, if you go over on the iBang and look at it, yeah. is they shave each other's heads. <laughs> Got There's em. a lot of shaving each other's heads. There's a lot of being around people when they're sleeping and, you know, like doing gang signs or putting <laughs> stuff in their fucking mouth. I know there was a great prank with the Giants, uh, I think, last season, two seasons ago. They just dumped someone into a cold bath of water. Is that up there on the iBank? I'm looking through it. I don't see it. So where did you plug it, then? That's up on the iBank under the hilarious pranks of athletes. But now, let's not waste any more time. Let's talk to the biggest movie star of the last 12 months. This is his second enormous hit. And we remember him. When he was like on One Tree Hill or something beach or one of those dumb shows. Yeah. What was it? Something beach? You don't have to look it up. Just be a person. The OC? China Beach? Stop it, Shelby. Again, with the gay stuff. You're the one that could have looked it up. (laughs) (laughs) No one would have heard you fucking tip-tap it away. Well, let me look, Rod. What was the fake reality show on the beach? Fake reality show on the beach. I can't remember what the fake... The Shitty Beach, I think was the name of it. Shitty Beach. Shelby, what was it? He was on Everwood. Come on, the reality oh, the show. The What? The OC. Well, the OC is all you had to say. So he was on the OC. Wasn't that a fake reality show? No, but there was, but there were shows ba- that was based in California and like Laguna Beach was based was off of I the thought. OC. That's the one I thought he was. But the OC was like a scripted show. The OC was the bullshit reality show. Anyway, here he is, Chris Pratt. This is the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez. Back on the show. You know what? The last time I saw you, you were just one of those guys whose team had never won a Super Bowl before. Just a regular guy. Yeah. Just a regular Joe. Now you're 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 walking a little prouder. I'm a world champion. You are a world. When they talk about the twelfth man, yes, they're specifically talking about me. Do you feel like the twelfth man though? Isn't it amazing? Oh, I feel uh, like I did it. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> what happens. And isn't it crazy now that they decide ESPN to decide? Hey, I think this team's a dynasty. You know what I mean? They yeah. went from oh, I don't know if these guys are good enough. You got others. You know what? They're they're the seventy Steelers. Yeah. They could be. They could be. Well, I mean, it, didn't, it doesn't hurt that, I mean, it, 
It, what a fun game to watch, first yeah. of all, as a Seahawks fan. What a fun game to watch that Super Bowl because it was a domination. Yeah. It was... And it was a combination of things. I mean, Denver just played, just did not play well. Yeah. And and everything fell uh, in the way of the Seahawks. And they're a team, you know, through the course of the year, they put together a pretty good record, but they had a lot of come from behind wins. They won by like just a field goal over some teams that weren't as highly ranked as they were. Like, you know, there were some close calls and they weren't always playing great, but it sure came together. They looked like a dynasty during the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, whether they, whether or not they can keep it all together and play that well for years to come, but they, they look very difficult to beat. They did. And, uh, Wilson suddenly looks mature. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's not a kid with a lot going on. He's like he's a mature leader. He's perfect. He is perfect. And yeah. also, like I was thinking about it because you, if you know, like he he gets outside of the pocket, and all of a sudden he's just such a dangerous yeah. guy. And towards the end of the season, he wasn't doing that. I bet you anything, Carol was like, "Look, we're we're going to the playoffs. I don't want you running around the end and." You know, against Arizona right. and blowing out your knee, right. just keep it tight. You know, let's go get the win, but don't worry about don't worry about uh, padding your stats right now. Stay in the pocket, let the let the line protect you. No one, I've never seen anyone scramble in the way that kid scrambles. Dude, and I said that to, about Johnny Football because he runs around like Fran Tarkington, like a crazy person. But this Russell Wilson kid, he seems like his head is in every strange move yeah. that he makes. No, you're right. You're right. And he's just it's got to be so infuriating. For our opponents, because it's like his biggest plays come moments after he should have been sacked. Yeah, you know, and then he just somehow spins out, does that spin thing he does. And it's then amazing, he's forty yard, fifty yard downfield. Uh, you know, this everything is going your way. This movie that you're in now, the you can feel the build. You can feel like it's one of these giant. The wave is coming up. Yeah, and you've got a movie that the kids are going to love. But the parents are going to be like sobbing a little bit in between. The kids won't get it. Yeah, I, but I saw that at the screening. It's the truth. It is the truth. And you and and you know it sounds it, the line sounds like something you would say to try to sell a movie. But the but the but I don't you know honestly I don't think I'll have to sell this movie. It seems like a yeah. lot of the kids want to go see it anyways, and and the adults will agree that like the story itself was essentially written for adults mm-hmm. with enough flash and uh, excitement and funny to keep the kids entertained right. the entire time. Yeah, you can see like there's things moving all the time so that if you, you're a little kid, because we were just discussing, we don't even know how the little kid brain works. You yeah. know what I mean? The way like when you were a kid, you know what excited you. But now when you when you look at kids, you're like, do they really need that much stimulation? Yeah, yeah they yeah. do. Yeah, they do. It was, uh, the, first, the first premiere I went to, it was like the Hollywood premiere. It was a super hot ticket because all the agents all the reps and the publicists all have kids that they wanted to get into this movie so it was like maybe 65 or 70 percent children between the ages of four to ten yeah and it was an hour and a half of silence i was like you gotta be kidding me (laughs) like except for laughter or like maybe one kid being like what's he doing (laughs) These kids were totally were engaged in. the whole yeah. time, which is really tough to do, man. But uh, a friend of mine uh, works for Slash Film. He's a film critic. He doesn't have kids. He's crying. He's crying like a baby because I, you know, just locked into that whole thing about childhood. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it tell it, it's a kids it, it's a movie. The brand, obviously, Lego is something that kids and adults share together. But the story itself is very, it, there's a very human story to it, right. which is like a, this, this guy, my character Emmett, 
it follows the rules and but he but he believes that inside of himself inside of himself is something special and he realizes that like his entire life no one has thought that and he's has no one in his life to share it with this he's very lonely right and it's a play and he starts at a place that you actually feel you should feel something for this character like you feel bad for him you know you mm -hmm. feel bad that he does he doesn't have anybody in his life and he's no one he's invisible to people you know and that and and then he gets an opportunity to do something really extraordinary and you just root for him you just want him you right. want to see him do something great and for other people to think that he's great and, stuff. and especially a, a film that dads are going to go to and then think to themselves hey am i good enough dad my kid am i doing all the right shit <laughs> yeah that a dad is supposed to do yeah the, the, you're right it, it, it's it, like the the it, the narrative shifts towards the end there and, and it becomes less about teaching kids how to color outside of the lines and use their imagination and not adhere so strictly to the rules and it teaches and a parent to like also do that like you, you don't have to control everything you know right. it's okay and sometimes you should allow your kid to destroy something just so they can have an opportunity to try to rebuild it you know who's the guy who did the parenthood TV, the documentary we just had him in not too long ago did the unmasked with him Hank Azaria oh yeah Hank is doing all this thing about being a dad right oh wow and he's yeah it's real and he goes out and talks to everybody about it and his thing was when he dropped his kid off at preschool the first time and saw that it wasn't easy for his kid to make friends, you know, like how that fucks with you completely yes. when you're a dad. And you're like, yeah, but then you don't know how this kid's mind's going to work. Maybe he shouldn't make friends too fast. Right. You know, maybe that's the kid who ends up doing speedballs. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe right. <laughs> you, know, you don't know. You don't want to try to just adjust them to be some version of what you want them to be. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I, I My son's only a year and a half old, but I had a similar experience. I put him, it was the first time he had like a play date with other kids around his right. age. It was maybe, uh, maybe he was just over a year. And he was sitting in his little like... Uh, crib cage thing that we keep him in <laughs> yeah, crib cage. in his cage he was in his cage, cage yep. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call it like this little portable fucking cage for kids i don't know <laughs> he was in his cell and uh and we put another kid in there with him and the kid like looked at jack and started crying right and then the dad quickly took the kid out and i was like oh fuck <laughs> That kid doesn't like my kid. Right. What? And I, I like, I got a little emotional, you know? I was like, what's wrong with my kid, you little fucker? Like, I was about to, like, fight right. this this one-year-old, sure. you know? Sure. And it, it's true. And, I, and my wife was the one who said, is like, look, you got it. Like, and my dad was always very, very comfortable with allowing us to build scars. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. toughen you up. Even yeah. if, you, if you get a little too hot, a little too excited about yourself, he'd cut me down just to, just so that... <laughs> Just so that I would build up, and now I've got it's great. I got the hard candy shell. It's really hard to penetrate. You know, I trouble with intimacy, but at the same time, like no one can make fun of me. I'll right. like I'll zing right back, and no one can hurt my feelings. You know. Yeah. But that's because they were hurt so routinely that they're yeah. they're covered in scarification. Yeah, that's that, and that's what we forget with kids is they really do need to bump their heads a little bit. You're right. It's like but calluses. It's scary. Yeah, it's calluses. Yeah, you need it, to it, it is. But it's scary to see because you for some reason just want them to have a perfect life yes but like you said i don't think our parents thought that way at all no you know no i don't think so i mean we were coming just past we were just in the first like the first generation right where it was like parents were going to give their kids something right be to better. better than what they had yeah whereas before it was like 
Oh shit! This is hard. We need some more kids around here. Yeah, if I can put them to work. Yeah, you we know, need let's get some heads. more humans. <laughs> Honey, I know you want to have sex with me, but we need some more fucking humans around here. Yeah, that <laughs> was their main thing. Is like we have fields. Yeah, we have that aren't fields. getting plowed. Yeah, we got shit that needs to be hauled. Dude, have boys. Yeah, get boy. Oh, a yeah. girl, great. Maybe we can trade her for something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But this is the thing now that when you take your kid to see this Lego movie, you're thinking. Oh, am I being a good dad? Am I, you know, is this... And I, you know our parents really didn't think that way too much. Yeah. I know I, it never bothered my dad. It must It must not. I mean, yeah, it, we, they worried about other things. You know, they right. worried about other things. I food. Think. Food. Yeah. <laughs> shelter. <laughs> you know, then, now it's like we have food, we have shelter, we have water. Right. Is his feel, Are his feelings okay? Yeah. Are his feelings intact? Well, you know, I guess. We, you know... It, it's true. You just, you want, I want, I don't want my child to have to feel those things. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want them to grow up to be, ha, have everything around him. To, you don't want them to be fragile because I think the role of, an, of a parent is really the best thing you can do is just teach your kid to, to move on and fly away right. without your help. And in order to do that, they're going to have to have, you know, thick skin. Yeah. And the other thing is to realize that that kid ain't you. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like, stop acting like you are somehow, you know, out there doing things, and this is a reflection, because I think that is the worst yeah. kind of parents. Even if you're overly proud yeah. that he did something, you know, it still belongs to him. Yeah, you're right. You're just right. And also, like, On and I have this, uh, because we had a similar upbringing, grew up in Washington State, more rural than city. I mean, it was like I had 7,000 people in my town. I played out in the woods all day. Right. And so I was like, how do I give that to my son? It's like, I can't. I'm not going to be able to. I it live in L.A. Exist. His parents are both actors. Like, he's just going to have a completely different upbringing than what right. we had. But that's okay. No, that's his. Just like if you guys were both in the fishing business, he'd be out on a boat. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's it. And that's the other thing is that you can't put too much emphasis on what they're not getting because just being involved in the family mm -hmm. thought is what you're supposed yeah. to do. Yeah. And for some reason, we're like, well, should he learn French? Should he learn the piano? Right. Yeah, maybe all that stuff would be nice, but it, I, I don't think it has anything to do with what that person's going to be. Just knowing that they're part of a unit, yeah. I think you're done. Yeah. You know? Just be, just be there. Yeah, just yeah. be there. You're one of the guys. We're all here. Yeah. We all have the same last name. Let's roll with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got so much stuff coming on, though. The last couple of years for you yeah. have been so crazy. They have been. It's yeah. been, it's been a, it's been a, a lot of, uh, like yeah, it feels it feels crazy. It yeah. is. That's just it. I mean, yeah. You're you're making it look easy though, because it's been going from one cool movie to another. If for some reason, you know, you've got these blockbusters, but then when you do smaller movies, they're the ones the critics love, and you're just <laughs> you're on the coolest TV show. It's just been this. It's it's been sweet a, ride. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like if you you know you're at the poker table, you're yeah. Like, Man, I was playing poker really well. It's like, yeah, but you got dealt aces every hand. What yeah. are you going to do? You know, I've been dealt some pretty good cards lately and and uh, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to play them. So that's that's and and it's it's been working out. I got lucky. I've been able to be on Parks and Rec but also to work with on the breaks to work with really amazing filmmakers on things that are like, you know, in these in the, a couple of Annapurna productions uh -huh. that are like independent in nature but 
big scope films that were like artistic films that got nominated for Oscars, like both her and uh, and Zero Dark Thirty, um, were like these kind of essentially out made outside of the studio system. Yeah, where I got to see these filmmakers make a movie exactly how they wanted to make a movie. It's like just been a collection of really great experiences, and I'm I'm just I'm thrilled, man. I'm loving it. And uh, and a couple more blockbusters. And then type. blockbusters, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy is like a Marvel movie. I got to see how that works, working, which which is a, a big studio movie, but also since they're so new and have found such success, I don't think they have like the same problems that other big studios have, where they like really feel like they have to micromanage and come in and like everyone who's an executive at Marvel is like a comic book nerd. Like yeah. they're going to be there to kind of like make sure you're staying true to the, sto to the story, but they're just enthusiastic and excited about it. Well, they've also gotten some aces too. You know what I mean? Oh like God, when that's, yeah. they know that they're on a roll. Yeah. So they're going, let's just play this thing out. That's you know, it. That's it. And I think that the best thing that happened to them was Robert Downey Jr. Kind of improvising that first movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that first movie, was not that Iron Man movie no one expected it to be good and they knew they didn't have a script that was completely done and they they let him run with it yeah and now everything seems to be a reflection yeah of that first time out yeah that was definitely inspired casting at the time it was big for them and for him I think it yeah. like really kind of relaunched him and and uh, yeah I mean he's just kind of got a magic thing and he he, he did this thing where uh, t he became Tony Stark you know yeah. I mean like he it was kind of nice and I think maybe it's the same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy that uh, Tony Stark and also my character Peter Quill or Star-Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy, they don't have like a bunch of baggage, you know? It's not like yeah. playing Batman or Superman where it's like you're going to constantly be uh, comparing it to other actors who have played that role. It's like you kind of just breathe your own spirit into this character and become that character. And that's that's kind of like, or that character becomes essentially you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that was what we got to do, and, and hopefully, hopefully it'll work. Uh, you got Jurassic World coming up too, and that. Yeah. I remember when Jurassic Park came out was the first time that I actually, I'm at a movie and I went, wait, I don't know what I'm looking at here. Yeah. Are, are there dinosaurs? Did I get you know? Yeah. Am I, am I being <laughs> completely wrong because yeah. I didn't see it the first time? I literally was blown away. Yeah. It, yeah. It's truly, totally holds up. It's like amazing. It's Spielberg. Yeah. It's really great characters. So it's like people know they think Jurassic Park, and they're like, "Man, that is a dinosaur movie." But then you go back and watch it. It's like Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum was amazing, and they're, really, they're really amazing characters with interesting points of view. And there's this this dinosaur thing happening around them, but these really great characters. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I, it was, like I've said this before, but it was like my Star Wars. It was like the movie that I lined up to go yeah. see. I saw it a couple of times in the theater. It like, really shaped who I, who I am as, a, as just a little film lover. Dude, I cannot freaking believe that I'm going to be in the next one. That's <laughs> nuts. So cool, man. That That's is great. nuts. But like you said, your life has been so crazy lately that why not? You yeah. know what I mean, why not? Who knows? Yeah, man. You know? Yeah. Uh, and again, this... Uh, this Lego movie, you can just feel it. Every once in a while, these things come out, particularly this time of year when it's been a cold, ugly winter yeah. everywhere. You want to do something with the kids. This is going to be a lot of fun for them. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, people who have kids are like, I hear it every every day. I've heard it. They're like, you have no idea. My son Tommy is obsessed <laughs> yeah. with Legos. He's gone insane. Like, kids 
really, really love it. They they knew what they were doing when they, when they made this movie. And lucky, luckily, Chris and Phil, the filmmakers, made a good movie because they didn't have to make this movie good. Right. People, kids were going to go see it anyways, and they would have, you know, there could have they they could probably would have been cheaper for them for the studio to just like kind of crap out a movie that kids were going to definitely go see regardless. But they didn't do that. They like took their time. They told a great story. They put together a really, really impressive movie that's visually stunning. Great story. Make you laugh. Like. I'm really so thrilled and proud of this movie. All right, Lego Movie opens everywhere this Friday, and then Parks and Rec is taking a little bit of an Olympic breaks, and the new episodes start February 27th. After that's Thursdays, 8.30 on the East. So good to see you again, Dude, man. Ron, it's always great to see you, man. And I'll see you next time coming through. Sounds good. That music drives you crazy, huh? It's from the Lego soundtrack. Yeah. I don't know how, what kids like. It's very odd. They're, they're very juiced up, you know? They like to have things very loud and crazy. If I was a kid, I think I'd be a lot more laid back. Kids have all that youthful energy that makes them want to feel alive. You gotta start vaping. I'm always down. Marlboro just bought a vaping company. For like 110 million, based in Florida. Yeah, but didn't they buy one that's an herb vaping company? Yeah, for weed. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a vaporizer company, so you technically you use it for cigarettes, but they all they make all vaporizers pretty much for weed. They're gonna do a thing of, I'm the Marlboro man. Sign me up. I already like their plain brands. Hmm. Sweet. Uh, Garth, Indiana, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, Ron. Hey, you got Shelby there with you? Yeah, he's sitting right here. Hey, Shelby, you been watching any uh, Gotham Comedy Live lately? I have not. Really? Not uh, not last Thursday when uh, Jay Moore was on? Why? What What did he do? Oh, you know, that little uh, homophobia, arachnophobia line? Mm-hmm. You know, Jay Moore used it last week. You son of a bitch. You wow. stole it from I Jay don't even Moore. have a fucking TV. You, stole, it's on, you know hey. it's on the computer. Hey, you too, buddy. You got it. It's on the fucking computer. Does it feel you good? steal everything. from the world-famous Jay Moore? You feel good being a th- I don't. Being ha- a I don't even. I don't know what the fuck Gotham Comedy Live is. What do you think it is? It's Jeffrey Gurian always talks about it. This is, yeah, we get the headliners from there almost every week. This was the fucking punchline from that bit. The spider's gay! I'm hoping to try to get that into a catchphrase. Chris Pratt will never be a fucking friend of yours. How's that feel? He was nice to me, so... It was pretty great. (laughs) What's the deal with Aaron Porn Peanuts? Penis. Yeah, that's your that's your that's routine. The, that's the deal. What's I'm not the, the deal one. With, well, penis. Hey, uh, I got send me and the interns. They both have problems. Um, Big Vito has a problem. Uh, Vito's mom is coming to see Henry Winkler's. Uh, yeah, 
our funny day with Fonzie. We're finally going to get to meet your mom. Leslie's ecstatic to come in. She's a big Henry Winkler fan, huh? Who wasn't a fan of Fonzie back That is the, the truth. It's the biggest shit. He's the big, I think, the biggest TV star ever. I think as a kid, him and like, him, Shawn Michaels, and Stone Cold were the first three people I was like, that's who I want to be. And you ended up being all three of them. Yeah. I'm a mix of them. So you had a problem at your other job? Yeah. What happened? So um, I'm working one night, and my girlfriend came to see me. And uh, I was drinking a lot because that's what I do at work. You're a bartender. I'm a bartender. You shouldn't be drinking. That's the whole point, is that there's I a whole bar behind that. you, and you can just turn around instead of waiting. You just pick up a beer and you just drink it. It's bad bartending etiquette, dude. You don't know anything about bartending. Oh, really? I've, yeah, I've never spent a day in bar in my Not life. Not bartending. You're on the other side. You're a peasant. <laughs> All I know is I want, a, a peasant. I want a sober bartender to feed me my drinks. Not some guy sloshed. Well, then I'm not serving you shit when you come to my bar. Would you give him free drinks if he came? I don't know. He's really fucking up his chances. <laughs> You're not. No one in this fucking crew likes you. Shelby pissed at you. You lost veto. No, I like I like you, Chris. All right. Yeah. You she won. lied. She I told me like, she hated you. Like, no. Well, then Norice, Norice you're, loves you're, you. You're the, okay, good. All right, so you're drunk at work, and what happened, Vito? Drunk at work, my girlfriend's there. She's drinking, too, because I was giving her a bunch of drinks. Mm -hmm. And some guy comes up to her, and he asks her to dance, and she says no. And then he fucking walks back over, and he grabs her. And I'm drunk, and I'm obviously that pisses me off, but I have to hold my cool at work, so I go, hey, could you not touch my girlfriend? And the guy runs over, leans over the bar, and he goes, what the fuck are you going to do about it? And he gets in my face. And at this point, I'm about to flip out, because, like, not what only... What does this guy look like, big? It's fucking just some black guy, you know, leather jacket. Some black guy is hey, not a size I hear you thing. loud and clear. <laughs> Stop it, both of you. So, <laughs> seriously, I don't like racism. So get back to it. When he leans over the bar and does that, and I'm about to flip out. One of the other bartenders goes, yo, Vito, come here. What happened? And I was like, he just fucking... I just saw a black guy in the bar, and I went crazy. <laughs> yeah, like, I, was, I wasn't happy about it. No, but I go, just guy just grabbed my girlfriend and flipped out on me. So he goes, all right, I'm going to go get Dom. So he gets our manager. Manager starts talking to the guy, and I just see the guy flipping out and pointing at me and cursing. So then... All of his friends start walking towards him, and then all the bouncers start coming back. And it's just like in the middle of the dance floor, there's this da -na 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 -na. big scene happening. <laughs> They're just standing there yelling at each other, and then it just ends with like the guy yelling, fuck you at me, fuck you, fuck you, getting dragged out by all the bouncers. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> I'm not used to black guys going into like a regular bar. They're more like for the clubs. Our bar gets kind of clubby. Oh, okay. Serve a lot of cognac and Hennessy? Yeah, actually, yeah. oh my god, people ask for, I, I serve so many Henny Red Bulls. People ask for Henny Fish Bowls, which would be the grossest thing in the world. I, I don't want you drinking here at work. I don't drink at work. Uh, wh what do you want us to do with your, your mom and the Fonz? Does she want a moment alone with them? Oh, she would love She would love a picture with the Fonz. Any way you can do that, Chris? Maybe if Fia wasn't talking so much shit about me. You started right, it. Forget it. Who can I put in charge of making sure Leslie gets a picture with the fun? I'll take care of it. All right. Leslie's going to be pumped. I'm going to tell her all the mean things Chris said, though. He's not going to get any Chris, chicken parm now. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait. And chicken parm is what she's all about, right? She, she On a nice Italian roll? Do you want me to... No, she just makes it like a dish. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to tell her to bring in some chicken? No, pork? no, 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 no. I want this to be her day. Okay. I want this to be a fun thing. But then I would like us to be friends with her and maybe get some chicken parm out of it. She'll do that. Mary, what's with you, darling? Chris said you had something for the show today? Yes, I do. What do you have for the show? 
I have a would you rather. Oh, wait. Hold on. This is a first for you. I'm sitting here. Seriously, I'm so proud. You've got some show content yes. for the show. Yes. So you're going to ask us questions, and then everybody is going to answer. Hicks? Yeah? We got some show material from our girl. Yay! Yay. <laughs> okay. So the name of your the thing is Would You Rather? Would You Rather. Okay. So you ready? Yeah. Okay. So would you rather have a big booty with pimples or big tits with hair? What are you talking about? What? <laughs> Why would you ask a question? What would you like? You got a nice sexy girl with a big booty but has pimples or big tits with hair? What would you pick? Honey, th- you're a nice girl. These aren't the kind of things that you say. <laughs> I already nice- have both. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's good though, Fez. You're coming back. I'm gonna put you at seven percent. <laughs> That's a big jump. During the commercial, Chris, Fez, you said that you're nervous about being in the halls because you think people are talking about you. Yeah. Chris is gonna walk with you. Thank you, Chris Stanley. Hand in hand. I took him to the elevator to ride down yesterday so no one could pick on him. It was very easy because no one is going to pick on him. So it's really cool to ride shotgun for something that's not necessary. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, we're not playing that game. What else do you have there? What's your next one? Well, then I shouldn't do the next one. Okay, do it. <laughs> okay, the next one is, would you rather <laughs> take two shots of semen? Jeez. Oh. <laughs> oh. Or a shot of period? Well, for a million dollars. I know what I'd do. Oh, for God. a million dollars. Don't panic. I know, I I know what Shelby would do. I didn't even know sure. the cash part yet. Yeah, a million dollars, line them all up. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I don't want you doing things like this. You are like a nice uh, person. Um, give me your next one. Okay. By the way, Chris, this proves that you're the world's worst mentor. I thought that the blood or semen uh, question was solid. Oh, God. I would drink the blood. I kind of like uh. to taste the blood. Vito, Vito helped me with that one, too. Oh, so, God. That one. Don't bring me I was like, oh, this is great. I was we'll like, thank you. With his mother. <laughs> Don't tell Leslie. <laughs> I'm going to say such nice things to you about you and to your mom. Thank you. Because she loves you, right? You're, you're her only baby? Yeah, only child. Mama's oh. boy. Oh, mm. only child. <laughs> All right, what else you got? All right, so would you rather get your hand stuck in an elephant's ass for an hour, or let a monkey hump you? Oh, give me this <laughs> list. I'm tearing it up. I'm tearing up this list. I'm gonna give you an incomplete. What happened? What are you trying to be? Like one of the boys here? I'm trying to fit in. Yes, I am. You don't yes, need to fit in. <laughs> You're already doing great. Oh, don't be Chris. Castro. These are great. Be- Shelby, what would you choose? You left a lot of options out there. I felt <laughs> comfortable answering any of them. Um, hold on. Let me go over here to uh, G-Man. G-Man, what's up, buddy? Hey, we're gonna be a million bucks. Yeah. Hey, now that uh, Big Dumb Beto's in the studio, any chance we can hear his machine gun sound? Yeah, what's a machine gun sound like? <laughs> Everybody does a different machine gun sound. What's yours, Sonny? 
I don't have one. This is interesting. Girls don't always have a machine gun sound. Every guy does. Every guy has done the machine gun sound growing up. But girls don't really necessarily go out and play like they're machine gunning their friends down. <laughs> no, no. Some of them do. Some, some girls can do it, but uh, a majority... I would think. No, I dance bachata. That's what I do. I don't know what that is. Do the sound you hear outside of your window at night no, right. like a barrio. <laughs> Can I just say something to you? Barrios are on the fucking West Coast. They're making a comeback in the East. They were never here. Well, I mean, they're it's like a transitional period. You're terrible. Racist, man. <laughs> Mike, Long Island, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hicks, it's Mike from the shelter. And uh, story, I just want to remind All you, right. it's your day to bring home toilet paper. <laughs> you're a cunt. All right, Chris, don't fall back into that, okay? All right. New, new channel, new way. I also want a countdown thing to see how long it takes Norris to say bachata on every <laughs> single appearance <laughs> she has on the show. Bachata? Bachata. Bachata. I'm telling you, it's going mainstream because I told Chris, Chris, what did I tell you? I even showed him the thing. We yeah. can't have the same crazy conversation. I, I just, I can't keep it in. We need I can't keep it in. We need you to expand your creativity. <laughs> First of all, this is, you don't need to do this. That You're way too amazing. sweet. And then we were going to do a <laughs> caption contest with her, but I d decided against it. Right. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I, I don't want anybody, you know what I mean? I'm in charge of your safety. Right. And I already have problems between you and basketball players here. <laughs> and there, a certain NBA player gave her his phone number. Oh, and you didn't no. call, right? No. Good. No. And he wanted you to come to his game. Yes. And then Shelby said... Well, yes, yeah, Shelby. <laughs> Shelby was super mad. He's like, I hate you. <laughs> I want to go to that game. Get me tickets. Get me tickets. And then he's like, I love my Blazers. <laughs> That's your favorite team? Yeah. You're, you're really narrowing these players down, too. <laughs> you want to say what? I don't want to out the guy. Why not? Oh, because he <laughs> might have a chat. Yeah. Do you uh -oh. still have his number? Yes. Don't call. You're not ready for that. Your little body's not ready for that. Why Nareth, I hate you. You got it? <laughs> you got his number and I didn't. See how they do this third time? Yeah, they, uh, they just love to attack each other by somehow attacking me. <laughs> That's not attacking you. It's bizarre. How is an attack on you if they're calling each other gay? <laughs> because they're, he's throwing it out there as gay is a horrible thing to be. It's all right if Shelby's gay and is, and is in love with the Blazers. That's not a good put down. <laughs> you could do so better I want some more train on him. What's the big deal? Here's the thing. I didn't know anyone's favorite team were the Blazers. Third in the West. Come on. Third in the West. Actually, the West is the best. Stand by for more of the best of Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog. On Raw Dog Comedy, it's Channel 99. 
It's the best of Ron and Fez. Um, lots of stuff going on this week. You could also listen on demand. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Jump, jump, up. On SiriusXM. I mean, all these best ofs will be on demand. They all will be on demand. You can demand to listen to them yeah. if you want to. Fast forward, rewind them. They're all they're all available on demand. I'll tell you something else that's up on the iBank today. The ass-shaking booty girls of YouTube. Oh, my God. I'm going to go to that right now. While you guys listen to Billy Bob Thornton, I'll be over on the Interabang.com watching the ass-shaking booty girls of YouTube. This is the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez. Got uh, Letterman's gig. Unreal. Yeah. I mean, it's weird to think of Letterman not being there anymore. I can't get used to that thought either. I was with him, like, right from, like, early, early on. Me too. When he had the early show, the the daytime show. Yeah, the daytime show. I was like, this is worth checking out for a long time. So he's been one of those guys that's been with us for, like, 30 years. I know. That's crazy. And you know what? We're losing a lot of those kind of people that have been on TV for a long time. Regis... Uh, just left. Letterman's leaving. Oprah yeah. left. Uh, Barbara Walters. It's a weird change. Yeah. And now uh, Leno left and came back and left. Came, left you know? and came back, <laughs> back and forth. Yeah. Uh, and now on TV, Billy Bob Thornton on this Fargo show, which I have to tell you, when I first heard it, I went, oh, why would anybody screw around with the Coen brothers? But they've done it in a different way. I watched the first two episodes, and I want the next date immediately. Wow! Oh, yeah. that's great. That's I would, I would, I would have easily sat through it. It is, it's funny, it's strange, and at times so goddamn scary. I can't believe it. Yeah. Well, you know, the Noah Hawley, who wrote it, he wrote all ten episodes, mm-hmm. which is pretty rare on TV. They usually have different writers, you know, or a writing staff and that kind of thing. But yeah. Noah wrote all these himself, and. When I read the pilot, if you'd told me the Coen Brothers wrote it, I would have believed it. I mean, it's it's new characters, a new story, but you know, based on the movie, and it's kind of what happened in that area after the movie yeah. took place. And um, what was great was that Noah managed to channel the spirit and the vibe of the Coen Brothers and get their tone, and yet create a new animal. And that's a that's a big trick, you know. It's a tough thing to pull off. Yeah, and he did it. it uh, yeah, you got to do it through writing. You got to do it through the direction. Uh, honestly, the cast is phenomenal. I mean, this would be a great cast for any film. Mm. You know, I mean, it's really an all-star cast. Everybody gets a chance to jump out and do some strange things as well. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I really enjoyed working with all those people. Uh, uh, I have a real uh, affection for Martin Freeman. I mean, working with him He's was great, just great. I, I loved working with him and Allison. Uh, uh, 
you know, who plays the sort of Fran McDormand-like role. Yeah. You know, it's uh, like that. But, uh, uh, you know, Colin Hanks and Keith Carradine and Bob Odenkirk, just you know, all these great people. Odenkirk is hysterical. His character seems so far to be wrong about everything, yeah. no matter what he does. <laughs> exactly. He's 100% and, wrong. And also a cop who doesn't like the sight of blood. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> He's gagging. Yeah. Oh, God, the crime scene. Uh, it's really, and those type of things take you into real comedy, really funny shit. And then minutes later, you're like, oh, God, oh, that's yeah. right. There's awful things that happen on the planet oh, Earth. Yeah. There's scary people out there. Mm -hmm. There is no one, uh, this character that you've done, I have the feeling is going to be one of those touchstones for television because that character is so damn scary because we can't even understand his motivations right no, it's, and, and also i think one of the unique things about the character is that he's so still and so quiet yeah and um the, somehow that's scarier you know what i mean like if you get a guy yelling and screaming and yeah. you know big buff guy or something like that it's like that's your typical bad guy and we kind of you know went the other way with this it's uh uh, I one of the things that attracted me to it is his b sort of bizarre sense of humor. The fact that he likes to mess with people, right. with his victims, you know, and just, uh, you know, he'll talk bad about, you know, your clothes or whatever he wants, you <laughs> yeah. know, while, while he's like stripping you down. It's just crazy. Uh, uh, but it's it, it's a great character to play and uh, probably the first character I've ever played who has no conscience whatsoever. Zero. <laughs> Zero. And that's what it was. But, but he does have some kind of code that he lives by. Mm -hmm. He kind of believes like you're born into this world of shit mm -hmm. and you battle through and that's the whole thing. That's Absolutely. it. There's no sense in, in worrying about anything other than those. He's, he's really more like from the animal kingdom. Right. He's like a, and sort of like a snake charmer. It's like he can see a guy 6'5", 250, doesn't bother him. He, right. I mean, he's invincible. He doesn't care and almost appears as an apparition sometimes. It's like, you know, this guy, is this guy even real? And, well, uh, he, he also, there's a weird thing that, it, and I've only seen the first two episodes, but he brings up the worst in other people. Right. You know, anyone who's slightly borderline, right. he'll go, let's get you across the border. Absolutely. So it's very Adam and Eve and mm -hmm. the snake mm -hmm. uh, right there that right. he'll help you. That's right. He'll help you. But, you know, you brought him that thing is like, Joe, and there's always something we were talking about dice clay. Right. We'll go around and have jokes that only he's in on. Practically, right. no one else <laughs> right. knows the punchline besides him, and that's what your character does. Right. You know, it's yeah. only for himself all the time. Oh, absolutely. That's his only social life is with himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't it strange how we and we were talking about this before you came in television has kind of replaced the kind of films that we loved in the 90s. That's you know? exactly right. That's an astute observation. And that's that's why me, and uh, especially guys of my era, like mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of us who were born uh, uh, the same year or within a year or two of each other that I came up with. It's like Bill Paxton, mm -hmm. Bruce Willis, Costner, you know, Dennis Quaid, Kevin Bacon. And everybody is looking to do something on TV now. I mean, you know, McConaughey and Woody just did that show. And, and it was great. And it's yeah. great. And uh, uh, the thing is, it's exactly what you said. The independent films of the early to mid-90s. Yeah. 
uh, now they'll only give you two or three million dollars to make those, and they want you to put ten movie stars in a three million dollar movie so they can sell off their foreign territories and all yeah. this stuff, you know. And you know, it's it's really sad, and the studios are not making the sort of twenty five, thirty million dollar movies for adults, yeah. you know. So the baby boomer generation that you know we're from uh, they watch tv so if you want to make those great movies that we were used to in say 60s 70s 80s uh, yeah. not so much 80s but yeah. 90s, 70s and 90s. <laughs> let's skip the 80s and then you know but uh, Cohen's and Spike Lee uh, exactly and uh but one way or the other, uh, you're right that television has taken over that spot. Mm -hmm. And that's why people are flocking to television. Because when I was coming up, if you were on TV, it was a bad word. Oh, absolutely. You know I mean, it's like, it, unless you were just coming up. Like when, I, when you're a young actor, you're just yeah. on whatever they offer you. I yeah. mean, and, and that's okay. But if you were an adult actor... Yeah, and you did a mini series or something. That meant things were over, and next stop was Hollywood Squares, and you know that kind of thing. But these days, all of a sudden, television is a place with the cachet. Yeah, and television actors are. I'm, I'm learning, uh, you know, from this. They're so much more uh, popular with fans. I mean, you become like. You know, it's like they see TV people on the street because they live with them every week. Yeah. You know, and it's it's really an, an odd thing. And um, but they're doing so much good stuff on TV. And uh, you know, I've been watching Boardwalk Empire since it came yeah. on, and you know, and some of those shows. And and I, I would I guess yeah, Gandolfini probably kicked it off really to make TV into that with with Sopranos. And we kind of thought that that was a one off. And <laughs> and like you like you said in the in the 90s, we would, you know, run into, all right, there's, there's a new director and he's got a new tone. You know, a lot of those films didn't even seem like they fit up against each other, except for the fact that they were independent. And every year we would have new people to get into. Mm -hmm. That seems what's happening with TV. Like you said, we just yes. got off that McConaughey show mm -hmm. and I was just telling the guys on here, I think we got a better show in Fargo. And that's the kind of arguments we used to love having mm -hmm. about film in the 90s. That's you know? Exactly right. No, it, it feels, <clears throat> excuse me, it feels like when I was coming up in film, mm. that being with this, you know, with FX and MGM and these people, uh, we were talking about it last night. We had a screening and a little after party, and I was telling uh, some of the people from uh, from the network and the MGM people, I said, you know, it, it feels to me, because we had people from different shows from FX there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there were people from Sons of Anarchy there and, you know, different, yeah. uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia and some of those shows. And here we all are on different shows, but under the same banner. Yeah. And I said it... it kind of feels like it must have felt back in the old studio days when people were under contract right. to either Warner Brothers or MGM or Universal, whoever it was, you know. And it, it really had that feeling, and everybody's excited. And, you know, I've done over 60 movies, so mm -hmm. I was at the point where, oh, no, film's dying, and am I relevant in these days and times? You know, you go through all those feelings, sure. and this is a rejuvenation. All of a sudden, I'm excited like I was when I was 25. Yeah. You know. The beauty of it, too, is now the networks are playing catch-up. So right. the networks are going, we've got to make this thing edgier. Mm -hmm. And again, there's a move you make in the second 
a big guy confronts you in your hotel room. You do something that is so strange that I think it's going to be one of those things that's remembered forever. Who would have ever expected to say it on TV? Mm-hmm. Too. Right. But that that's the kind of things that we used to get from film where we go, I just saw a move in a Tarantino film that I know was going to change things for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's where I think these shows have gotten now, these TV shows. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so, so cool. So you, this is just a one-season deal for you, though, right? Yes. You don't want to make this um, a long-lasting series? Uh, well, I mean, the way they conceived it was mm-hmm. as a 10-episode thing. And it really feels like, uh, and hopefully you, uh, it sounds like you got this from it, it feels like a 10-hour independent film. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's really what it feels yeah. like. That was kind of the idea, and they only designed it for 10 episodes. There is a possibility that they will do another season of it, another 10 episodes, but it would be with new characters and a new story and right. all this kind of thing. You know, So uh, we wouldn't be involved in it, but uh, I hope they do keep going with it because it's it's just terrific, and, and they're a good group. Uh, so... That doesn't mean, though, that I'm going to lay off the television because mm-hmm. I I really got an appetite for it in doing this. And uh, if there's another 10-episode thing, I don't know that I would want to get in something that had the potential of lasting six or seven years. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm that animal, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, if I can do a 10-episode, something like this, it's really good once a year and still do a movie that year. I'd be pretty satisfied, yeah. Now, as an actor, does it feel differently than doing uh, a film? Do you prepare for it differently? You know, it it, it really did feel like making an independent film. Uh, mm-hmm. The only thing that I had to get used to, the only difference, is that out of these ten episodes, we do them in blocks, like we did episode one and two together with one director. Then another director comes in and does three and four, so we had five directors doing the ten episodes. Mm-hmm. So you have to, and and all the directors were terrific, but uh, as you know, people are different, and, right. and you got to, you get used to one guy's vibe, and you know, let's say, uh, you know, like our first director was really laid back. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, did this guy just smoke a joint? Because he was really <laughs> laid back. You know, just a different kind of cat, you know? And I loved him. And then the second cat came in, and I loved him, too. But he was very hyperactive and very, like, uh, in your face all the time. You know, just a different energy. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm used to having one guy from beginning to end. And uh, so that took a little getting used to, just in terms of the manner in which they, you know, worked with you. Um. Let me uh, plug this very quickly here. This uh, premieres Tuesday, April 15th, 10 o'clock on FX, Fargo. Um, it does feel like the Coen Brothers movie. Uh, they kind of create that same universe, but here are other characters that still hang around in the universe. And there's something so amazing about that feeling that you've set up here where there's empty coldness, really nice people but then right underneath that candy shell mm-hmm. is something that could be pretty frightening absolutely yeah it's there, there's something really scary about like if you're if you're showing an urban 
neighborhood. Yeah. You're used to it. It's like right. you you expect it. There's something about that white bread suburban community feeling yeah. and the darkness that lies underneath that that I think we're all fascinated with. You yeah, know? we definitely are because, well, the suburbs never really worked out the way they were supposed to. Right. No one ever thought, well, we'll get our place in the suburbs, we'll raise our kids with Little League, and then later they'll start smoking crack and doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, exactly. That, it just freaked everyone out. Oh, you I know? know. Oh, I mean, it's it, it, what's funny about it. I grew up in a small town in the mm-hmm. south, you know, and uh, uh, we probably. I mean, it was it was like the average southern town, about ten thousand people, you yeah. know. And uh, I mean, to us, it was a metropolis. But um, when I was growing up, I really thought it was like Leave It to Beaver. I thought all adults can be trusted. Yeah. And, you know, and if your dad's driving, the car can't run off the road. I mean, you know, sure. you just trusted all those things. And then, you know, you get older and you start talking. Uh, I talked to my mom, you know, who's now 80 years old, and she uh, she'll start telling me these stories about when we were growing up and stuff like that, and then she'll just casually mention something, and I'll go, I, I, what? Hang on a second. Doctor, Doctor so-and-so was screwing Miss, what's her name? Yeah. The librarian? You know, or whatever. And it's all this darkness that went on in that little town that I was in, and I thought I grew up in this sort of, you know, sure. little Pleasantville, you know, and... Uh, and you learn all these secrets about it. You know? Well, they set us up to believe, you know what I mean? They set us up to think this is what life is about. And a lot of it, I think, had to do with Hollywood TV and film mm-hmm. showing isn't life pleasant. So when you would ever just hear of anything that seems strange, like that can't be. Oh, absolutely. You know, the absolute, they can't be having key parties. So, you know, but they were just as crazy as anyone. Absolutely. You know? Well, we thought the old movie stars, even. Right. We thought that, you know, the Humphrey Bogarts and Sinatra's yeah. and, well, maybe not Sinatra, but, you know, <laughs> a few of them. Uh, and we thought that they were like those people they played in movies, too. That Like yeah. in the 40s and 50s, you know, life was in black and white and everybody drank milk and you know, they were all American and all this kind of thing. And when you start reading, like, biographies of these people, oh, absolutely. they were so much crazier than we are, it's not even funny. Yeah. And they could get by with it because they were protected. See, these days, we're not protected. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody's got, you know, blogs and YouTube and everything else. But the studio in those days would protect people. You know, yeah. the, they had cleaners. They did have cleaners, in. absolutely. We, we know how to get rid of the bodies. Call me because we've got a shoot coming up in a right. couple of days. <laughs> but yeah, those guys were just wild. And there was like less people out there too mm-hmm. at the time. So they really were living in paradise yeah. in the 1940s and 50s in, in LA. And uh, they were just off the rails. Yeah, Off they were. the goddamn rails. Yes, they were. Um, Fargo premieres Tuesday, April 15th at 10 p.m. Um, on FX. It's an amazing cast. Uh, you go through some of these names, and they're just Oliver Platt, Bob Odenkirk, Colin Hanks. is So the opening scene with you and Colin Hanks is one for the ages. Mm. Because you say... This is a this is an actual thing that everyone should discuss before they make a move. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that goes down, uh he really should have thought to himself, yeah. Yeah. There's some there's some truth here. Yeah. So good to see you again, my well, man. I'm glad you. that you got a great project going. Well, thank you. I'll see you next time coming through. You got it, buddy. Comedy hits. Jump.
for more of the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Raw Dog. And we don't give a shit. It's Ron and Fez away. It is the Ron and Fez show. On vacation. Vacation from our problems. This is what, the third week of uh, Fez's vacation? Yeah, this is this is week three. He's got a good life. One week was the actually having the surgery. And then I guess getting over it and getting out of the hospital. Week two was... Texting us when he's fucked up on pills and I guess recovering. And this third week is I don't know what he's, he's up only to. Cruise. He's the only gay cruise. Bullshit. Uh, you think that being Fez Watley would make you the luckiest person in the world, but he has some bad days too. Like when Jason Nash came on our show, I thought Jason Nash was a lot of fun. He annoyed Fez. Oh my God! Did he piss Fez off? He annoyed that man. Fez lost it. Like he really lost it with Jason Nash, and he was just trying to promote his movie. Jason Nash is married. That's all. Jason Nash is married. It's a movie. Yeah. So here comes Jason Nash, and see what you can hear. Like as Fez <laughs> starts to break before he finally fucking snaps. <laughs> Hashtag Jason Nash is married. <laughs> This is the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez. Coming up next, we got uh, comedian Jason Nash. Uh, he's got a movie out called Jason Nash is Married. Uh, and this is one of those shows that it started as a web series first. It started as a web series, I believe, for Adam.com, and then it just like got a bunch of stars. He'd... Is Adam.com still around? Yeah, I... Not sure if the popularity of YouTube and all those jumping up. Hey, Jason Nash in studio with us. How's it going? Are we on? We are on. We normally play you in with music. Yeah. But uh, no big theme today. Your movie, I was just telling people this, the amount of stars that come in and out of comedy stars, it's phenomenal. <laughs> Thanks so much. It's like it was a, a giant big budget, but it wasn't, was it? No, no, I shot it for literally nothing. And um, I, I had worked like a, a long time uh, trying to get something going, you know, like mm -hmm. I had scripts in Hollywood. They would never get made. And then I just said, I just got to do this. You know, I, I always would listen to like Louis uh -huh. and how he just went and did his own thing. And I was like, that's the only way I'm going to make it is if I just go. But how did you pull? I'm going to just read off some of the names here. By the way, I love the show. It is such an honor to be here. Oh, um, stop. No, it. no. Stop I, it. I do. I mean, I just put it together that you're Chris. Yeah, that's Chris right <laughs> that's there. That's because you sat down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the show so much. Like, first of all, what's great about you is yeah. you notice the things that, like, Opie and Anthony, I listen to Opie and Anthony do, but they don't notice, like, sort of the alternative comics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, you know, like, obscure things, you know, like, you'll be like, uh, like, uh, have you heard of uh, Pat Oswald's Gardener? <laughs> you know? That's where I go. I go into those gardeners. <laughs> yeah. I follow people's gardeners. Not everyone is. <laughs> into that and uh i just i love it you know you know what i am so glad i almost had to cancel on you today oh, great so that you didn't they were calling me away to do something else good and 
it uh, it was just madness around here. But I was like, well, I can't cancel on Jason Nash because I already said yes to him. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I'm that so been glad. Awful. It would have been awful. All right, let me read off the names. Go ahead. Go ahead. Paul F. Tom, uh, Tompkins Gardner is going to be <laughs> Nick Swartzen's um, Gardner is going to be here. Paul Shear, Andy Richter, Pat Oswald, T.J. Miller, who again is hysterical in this, uh, David Kechner, uh Andy Daly, Rob Cordroy. Uh, Keep going. You got um, one after another after Busy. another. Busy Phillips. She plays my wife. Who's a big, big star, big, big TV star. Yeah. And you pulled all this stuff together. Yeah. And that's just from being out there for years and battling around. and Yeah, it's just like goodwill. Like, yeah. it goes such a long way. Go to people's shows, you know, tell them, you know, how, if you're a comedy fan, it's just really easy. It just comes second nature. So you wrote this, directed it, mm -hmm. everything yourself. Yep, produced it, directed it a minute. And uh, it's, you know, it's everything I ever wanted to do. And it's, no one told me what to do, which was really nice. Mm -hmm. And I just really about that, like, did you have Abel Ferrer on here? Yeah. And he was talking about that. He was like, final cut, final right. cut. And I so related to that when I heard him. I was like, yeah. Abel Ferrer is one of those guys who, if you love him, you think that he's a genius, blah, blah, blah. But most of the people in the world <laughs> don't know who he is. And yet I, I'm shocked that people can't look at his movies and go, this is like violent genius over and over again. Uh, but that's what happens when you want to be the artist first, you know what I mean? The final cut thing with, with Abel is because he goes nuts when something gets changed, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. He can't live with himself. And I don't feel like the people in power necessarily... Like, I would rather get comedy notes from you mm -hmm. than someone... Well, people like me would never be around giving out comedy notes. People who give out the notes would be people who came up on the business side of things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's not that they're wrong. It's just that I don't think a lot of what they put out is worthy. You know, there's only a few people that I admire well, and, you know? Well, the thing is, a lot of those guys, they don't even give out notes because they feel like they, something should be changed. They feel like, I have to put some fingerprint on this to keep my job. Right. If you see it from their point of view, they're like, well, what did, you know, if this thing becomes a success, can they say, you know... It was my idea for them to bring in the girl. That's all. Yeah. They, you know what I mean? I said, we've got to have a Puerto Rican girl in that role. So that's what they go with. You yeah. Know? That's what my wife does for a living. Yeah? Yeah, she's a producer, too. So you uh, based everything yeah, it was just, in your life. Yeah, it's just really about, like, you know, for me, it was like, oh, I met somebody that I loved. You know, but I I didn't I didn't really I didn't know who I was. So that's sort of what it's about. It's mm -hmm. like you know you, you you're like making all these mistakes in front of someone you're married first, right? And my wife's watching me bomb at stand up, and you just feel awful. And you're going to her parties where you're in the corner, and you know people are like, "What do you do?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm a comedian." And they're like, uh, "I've never heard of you." You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like literally, or like, uh, and now with with the internet, they can just look you up. And they know, you know, like, your exactly. IMDb. Yeah, like, my right. father used to just bullshit his way through life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with uh, Capital One, da-da-da-da-da. Right. And uh, no, one, no one knew, you know. I love you on the show. You're always like, you, you're, so, you're so natural, and you just, like, 
I, I started a podcast because I would listen to this and it was like, I was like, I got it. I was like, this is about, it's about the hang. Right. It's not about jokes. Yeah. You know, like I love when you say something, you'll be like, Justin Bieber crashes Lamborghini. <laughs> and then you'll be like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks. I don't know. So with Lamborghini, that's an expensive car to crash. Chris doesn't do a lot of what m- normal people would call show prep. Fez, what do you think about Justin Bieber crashing a Lamborghini? I'm sorry, what happened? <laughs> there was a Lamborghini? Yeah, the Lamborghini? I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a simple question, Fez. <laughs> I was reading the menu at Del Frisco's downstairs as yeah. you. I was going, uh, it's a farmer's market, Greek salad, cucumbers, tomatoes, baby arugula. Fez, you like baby arugula? <laughs> I like the baby part. <laughs> You think that he's me now, Fez? Are you at that point? No. That you're no. what? That by you just using my voice like that, Fez panicked for a second. <laughs> just tried to answer on the nose as much as he could. How, I, what is what is your relationship like? I'm so curious as a fan. Like, you guys get along? Are you friends? Or well, we used to be. Used to be. We used to be really, really close. You can see how depressed Fez is from me even <laughs> saying that. I mean, he was like an uncle to my kids. But through the years, we've gotten more and more distant. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's impossible. I think for people to stay close if you're in a band, on a show, yeah. anything else. Like, I just did the Unmasked with ONA, and like they were going, well, we brought Jimmy in during the one year that we went and didn't talk to each other, even during commercials. Yeah. And everybody in the place gasped at me, and I'm like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course you can't stand to look at each other anymore. I heard know? them say that, too. Yeah. Yeah, that they don't really get along. And- well, no, that was only during that one period. You have periods where you come in and out. But Fez's thing was, when his problems got bad, I was like, oh, I can fix that. You know, uh-huh. I can help. I'll be, can be helpful. And then that was like nine years ago. Uh-huh. So after a while, I'm like, I can't. Yeah hear about the newest problem like even all day today he's holding his arm like this it's going on for and it's just driving me crazy i'm not saying it but if it isn't a physical problem it's now he's hiding his arm like we can't say it stop doing that if it's not a physical thing then it's a mental thing and since it's gotten physical again with him now he doesn't have any mental problems now his mental problems are taken care of so here's what it's like. You ever driven across the country with your buddies? Sure. That's radio, except for you never get there. There's no You just keep driving and driving and driving. And you do this shit for years. You know what? Like, let's say this. You did your movie. Yeah. Whatever, good, bad, whatever, how you feel about it, there it is. It, yeah. it lives in that place. A radio show... You just think tomorrow, I think, is going to be a good show. I think tomorrow will be yeah. good. But you never get there. You never get to that spot yeah. where it pays off. Stand-up's like that, I think, too. Well, stand-up, at least, again, you can put a, a special and say, That's here true. where I was at this point You're in time. Right. Now, for a lot of people, the thing about stand-up is that, that people don't realize, in a lot of ways, it looks like you're packaging fish, right? And stuff that used to be really fresh and good, you show it years later. Unlike a movie. You know, like you could show someone Mean Streets, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll go, oh man, I fucking get it. But you can't show someone Robert Klein from 1976 and have it affect them. 
You know, uh-huh. they're like, everyone is like, young guys are always like, why is this guy considered anything? He sucks, you know, and almost happens across the board to all stand up. There's exceptions, though. I mean, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. Um, Joe Carlin. Carlin. Now keep going. Okay. Because it gets uh, rougher and rougher. Um, Gallagher. Now, even the beauty of Gallagher is it is exactly came off like that at the time. My favorite Gallagher story is I had to bring him out on stage one time yeah. when I was working radio uh, down in Florida, and we were in this beautiful opera house, right? And I was just supposed to show up. They were going to give me $500 to say, ladies and gentlemen, here's Gallagher. Couldn't even do anything, nothing. Just plug it on the air, go there, and bring him up. So I'm walking through the backstage area. Have you ever been to those big theaters? It's like dark. You know, and you're trying to get there, and I just hear this fucking screaming as I'm getting closer and closer to the stage. And Gallagher is just fucking spitting mad. He's just fucking, <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'll fuck you in the ass. I'll fucking make, I'll sue the fuck out of this place. I come walking up, and I'm like, what's going on? And the other guy says to me, um, they won't let him break chocolate milk in this theater. And he was <laughs> so fucking furious. They were like, break your juice, break the melons, you can't break the chocolate milk. And he acted like it just ruined his fucking life. Yeah, he's like, I hear him a lot on the radio lately, and he's completely crazy, but really lucid, you know? So I can't tell. Like, his bits are right on, you know, they sound on the money. He's oddly brilliant yeah. and in that madness. He's a really interesting fucking cat. Yeah. Jason Nash is in studio with us. Jason Nash is married. His film is available now on Amazon Instant Video, Vimeo On Demand, and iTunes. That all starts June 24th. Uh, available for pre-order there. Thank you, guys. Um, oh, you think we were kicking you? I didn't know. Yeah, it came off that way, didn't it? I did. For a second. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> it came off like a wrap-up. So what do you hate about me, Fez? Why don't, you, why don't you let Jason in on it? Yeah, let me in. I don't hate anything about you. You're very caring. I have yeah. to say, like, on the radio, just as a fan, I know nothing yeah. about you guys personally, obviously, but when I hear you, you're always very caring, and you're always, like, patient, I feel like, on the radio at least, yeah. and that comes off well. And I don't know what your problems are, but, you know, I really enjoy you on the radio, and do you think you guys could maybe come back together as you... Calm, I feel like Dr. Phil, but good. but you know, I had a podcast with my best friend, and uh, of course, we stopped doing it, and we now we're still best friends. But not that my podcast is anything like this, and I know this is on a much grander scale. But is there something that a common thing that you guys could go back on and say, "Hey, let's bury the hatchet," or let's? Oh no, I don't think any of our. Isn't that important? I know it's hard to run a business together, but isn't that really important too to maybe come back around, have dinner? Twice a year, just the two of you. How many dinners you owe right now, Fess? I owe twenty-seven dinners. Okay, so that's so you you pay the whole time. Um, yeah. Okay. I paid for years and years and years, and I'm like, dude, you got to start paying. Right. Uh, you, but, you have money. You get paid. Oh God, does he have money? He's got his fucking communion money. This brick. I'm really saving for a rainy day. Why don't you let him? Why don't you pay? Because that would be you. You need to make this relationship equal. Well, I do pay, but I owe a lot of them. So it's getting it's. Oh, I see. He's taking you out so much, and he. But let me guess. He's so uh, nice that he offers to pay. He's like, no. oh, "Let me get it, Fez." Right? Is that what he does? Because that's what I do, and then I don't really have the money to do well, it. Well, I end up putting myself in bad bets, so I also wager dinners too. 
You gave he's, you gamble? He's being so truthful with you right now, and that's important. Yeah, these are just gambled bets that he loses on the oh, show all the time. Can, uh. But he owes them to everybody. But, Fez, you don't think it's different than it used to be? Yeah, it's different, but it's only because I've gotten myself more and more isolated. So, I mean, that's that's the biggest well, problem. Where did it start? I don't actually know the history. I've read like, I read Wikipedia about you guys once or twice. I know it was in, you were in Florida. Yeah. But where did it start? What was the commonality that the two of you had? Like, for instance, my friend Jeff, we were we were roommates in college, and we're just the best. Right? I mean, this is what was up. yours? This actually sounds like the marriage problems that you have, that you were saying friendship is the marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, is is one doing better than the other? He's jealous of you, or is... Because I know you run the ship here. Well, I, I, I never used to. As a you didn't? Fact. No, I didn't until Fez didn't want to run it together with us, because he had personal problems okay you know so we used to make every decision together and do everything together write together write separately but you haven't written in how long first oh months and months and months why would you even say months and months it's been nine fucking years right nine years and the other day i'll just say this he goes i got a character and it's a character that he did 12 years ago and i'm like i don't wanna (laughs) fuck and that was by the way ripped off from snl and i'm going i'm not going to go back to that why would we go back to that <laughs> well, what what was it originally that drew you to Fez? He was fucking fearless uh. when we were kids. Fucking fearless. Let me tell you, he did this gay character in front of rednecks <laughs> in fucking Florida, where when we started, right, they were go people were going get that fucking homo, you know, and he was fearless, and it was fucking hysterical right. and then he turned it to they're like you know i ain't gay myself but that some bitch is funny and then finally like you know what gay people are pretty cool i learned that from listening to the show and then he stopped when he really figured out that he was gay yeah then he just stopped being funny whatsoever and became uh. furious he spent the first hour today furious over jonah hill instead of Doing comedy to creating know, content, fun. yeah, yeah, creating content. Well, what when you so this all started when you came out of the closet, you lost your creative drive. Is that what happened? It got very weird for me where everything I was doing as the over the top gay person, yeah, all of a sudden felt very strange, yes, and uncomfortable. Yes, I got you. I used to make fun of Bruce Jenner on a podcast, and I then I got to the point where I was like, oh, it's. It's, he's just a guy, and mm-hmm. you know he's just doing the best he can. But I've I've definitely gone the other way. Um, I I think I think sexuality is a good point. You know, I had a friend who was a fearless comic, really funny, and then he got married, and he said to me, "I I I was only up there to get laid." And he just stopped. That was the end of it. That was it. He was like, "What's the point? Why would I go up on stage now if I'm not banging girls?" And I don't know if that's the same thing. No, I wasn't doing it to get guys. <laughs> right. I guess it's not the same thing. I just wanted to tell that yeah. story. It was a good one. <laughs> but it just didn't apply to what I was doing. Well, do you think that you can do you think that you can bring more to the table? Well, I would like to and then I I get in my own way a lot. Yeah. You know what you know what helps me is like a an assistant. Somebody just to sit there and go, hey, yeah, that's funny. Just someone to bounce. Like, take an intern here. Take him in a room. Who would you like to have, Fez? The Advice Show. The Advice Show. 
the only show where the host gets advice. <laughs> it's whatever the opposite of Dr. Phil could be. That is the show. As if Dr. <laughs> Phil just kept bringing people on Black and said, advice. what is wrong with me? Why am I, gonna, why am I doing this? Here, I, I want to explain my thing, and I'm being as honest as possible. I love it. Uh, Fez is like closer to me than a brother. Okay, yeah. he is family to me. And sooner or later, if you've ever had like a sick grandmother or whatever, and you're taking care of her and you're changing the sheets and you're and you're making sure that she's eating, and and then just one day you just grab a hammer and just beat her <laughs> to fucking death. And that's our relationship. I just, I love him, and I can't take it anymore. I gotcha. And I'm going to fucking get a big rock and drop it on him. <laughs> but I do love him. I gotcha. Say no more. Now, I will say this. Say no people more. don't realize when you get into this type of situation, and we've been doing this for a couple decades, right? Mm -hmm. Seen him more than any member of my family. You know what I mean? Of that, you know, my own brother, my sisters, my parents never have spent this much time. Mm -hmm. It's too much time. Have you ever have you ever thought about splitting off the two of you? Oh, I would never want to do that. Okay, and you and I just uh, I wouldn't want to do it if I wasn't doing it with you. Why? Why wouldn't you want to? It wouldn't be as fun. What wouldn't be as fun? Radio. Okay, but doing what you do radio to do what? Why is the reason that you do radio? Well, to, um, this is going to get mocked, but to entertain people and to put on a show. And I so, find you very entertaining. But why wouldn't you want to keep doing that? Because I, uh, I like doing that with you. Okay, if I get shot in the fucking head tomorrow. You're done? Yeah. Oh. But you can't be that way. You, you can't be that attached to someone. You've got to pull your own weight. And, and it's not fair to the other person to push the boulder up the hill and then you know, it's just not fair. No, it's not at all. You know, and, and I it, realize it's not that. fair to him. But see, here's the thing. I would even say this. If you're saying if I got shot in the head tomorrow uh, that you would quit, that means that that whole I want to entertain people doesn't fucking play into it. Or else you would keep on entertaining people. But I like doing it with all you guys. If Chris fucking was gone tomorrow, if Chris was shot in the head, I get would we blown still away. do the show? We'd probably take a day off. <laughs> but, you, but, 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 but why do you say that? Actually. You know what I mean? You didn't quit when Earl or oh Eddie or whatever you went on. Why wouldn't you go on if I stopped doing Just the show? a day? Because I just wouldn't want to. I like doing it with you. So are you at the point where you're gonna, you were ready to split off? Uh, I... Are you just that good of a dude? See, here's the thing. Uh, we have incredible fucking health benefits here. Yeah. And Fez is... If you put health benefits into it, oh. he's the highest paid entertainer <laughs> in the history of the planet Earth. I mean, I laugh when I think how much he milks this company for mental, physical, you name it. So I, I, there's a giant part of me that's concerned. Like, we almost... In December, we were thinking, you know, maybe we would end the show. I was thinking that. Fez was upset with me. Since that time, he's had to have a million dollars worth of stuff. Right. Know, or so, at least a half a million. I mean, he's yep. done three, and he's got an operation coming up. Yeah, it's a noose around your neck with a cinder block tied to it. Grandma. 
It's grandma. Yeah. yeah grandma, I, I can't leave her. You know what? I would be the same way. I would do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. So, so you got to so you got to live with it. You would ruin your life too. That means a lot to me, Jason. <laughs> you have your own mask, which is yeah. fantastic. Oh God, what a fresh breath of fresh air that is <laughs> to be talking to someone and they're answering back. Talk about creativity. I love that. That's my favorite conversation. Creativity. You want know, the most? It's the only thing worth talking about. The most creative thing I ever saw was like two months ago. I was watching a documentary on Jay Z, and Kanye West is in there. He's in producing. He's like. He's not Kanye West yet. He's just a producer. He comes. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this track on the Jay Z album. I'm gonna get it on there. And then he plays the track, and you know it. You know, it's like it's that song that goes, "I'm a hustler, baby, and I want you to know." But it's just the track. Jay Z walks in with an entourage, and he's like, kind of has an attitude. And then he hears the track, and then he lays down the rhyme that you yeah. know, and you just see it come together. I'm like, ah, Boner City. It's amazing, and most of the... I mean, I have interviewed some of the greatest songwriters of all time. And not one of them takes credit for writing a song. Not fucking one. Really? Not one said, I'm really good, and that's why I write songs. They're like, I don't know. I'm trying my best to be a vessel for the gift. They all have these different things of when the muse shows up or it's like light, it's like water, but they can't just say, it ain't me. Yeah. But they don't think it is. I don't take credit for my movie at all. You You give it out to all these these guys. Rob Corddry. But who who where did the where where did your movie come from then if it's not you? Well, it came from like being in a in a horrible way Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles for like ten years, and that's why I really relate to Fez because I know what it's like to be horrible and not be able to see that how good you are, you know. And so um, that's sort of. But I also knew that if I made a movie with just me, nobody would care. Right. So that's why I hustled and got all those people. Why don't in. we make a movie, Fez? Yeah, maybe if I get gay married, I could do Fez Watley is married. Why don't you date? Too afraid to at this point. Yeah, this is a running theme, too. You don't want to date anybody. No, very nervous about it. Running themes could also mean the same topic developed, pushed out the same way over and over and over. <laughs> Download the grinder app. See, I think it's a, I think a running theme is when you expand on that theme. This is fucking Groundhog's Day. Oh, I'll go. I'll go on a date with you. I don't know. I mean, we could start with. I'm not gay, but we could start. You know, like have a pretend thing. Go to Fidel Frisco's. I don't know. Here's um, just got off. Just got awkward. Just got real awkward. Just here's Jason. Jason, you're on the air. Hey guys, yeah. I just I, I just listening to you guys. I've been listening since well, just recently, but since Ron and Ron back in the day. And I think Fez just needs a cinder block dropped on his head. No. We'll straighten him out for a little bit, and then a few months we'll drop it on again, and we'll you know get him gay again. See, that's the thing. I don't know. What about like uh, is there a medication? I just got on medication, and my whole life changed. What medication are you doing? Lamictal. I don't even. I've never even heard of this one. It's a mood stabilizer. Doctor told me I had mania and I was bipolar, and they said it would take three weeks to work. And I took it, and it was in three minutes. The whole world's like, because I was a very now. oh yeah, I was a very amped up person, like yeah. into drugs. What drug? What was your drug uh, of choice? I had cocaine and ecstasy, but yeah. I don't like alcohol. So this is like cocaine and ecstasy, but. They're giving it to you. 
Yeah, no, 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 no. It's very calming. Mm-hmm. Cocaine was like, ah, yeah. amped up. I like when you describe the, I was listening last night, when you described the one line, always chasing the, the first line. Yeah. I relate to that a lot. It, that first fucking thing, when you, the, the thing of the coke buzz, and you, non-addicts don't get it all, because people are like, I didn't coke, and I didn't like it. I'm like, whatever. But that thing, when that fucking first line <laughs> starts to just wear off, and you're like, oh, I even got to get back there, and you can't quite do it. Sometimes you overshoot it, but you never get back to that one great feeling. And you can work at that for three, four days straight, and not get anywhere. <laughs> I was never like that. I always had a lid on it. I would, I would get it with my friends, and then I would like go to bed and wake up, and they would have done it all. Yeah, I would be one of your friends. You would do. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't there a point where you don't get high anymore? Um, Yeah, but I was never figuring that out. You know what I mean? Like I was never figuring that out. And then sometimes you run down and go like, uh, wow. You you go like, we're all out. Like heart's beating awful fast. (laughs) Man, I wonder. I guess people do die from this. It's weird. Drink some water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe some water is what I need <laughs> to deal. Yeah. To deal with it. Fez, you never want to drop a block on my head? <laughs> no. Can I tell you something? I feel like I'm being honest and you're not. Why would I want to drop a block on your head? Why would Most some... days you're my only friend. Why would... So what? Uh, if you only have one hurts. friend, they still annoy you. You could have one friend in the world and you would be able to say to that friend, shut the fuck up. You're driving me crazy. I think that you think it inside, and then you think, well, how can I fuck up this show for him? It's not fair to him. You've got to step up. I'm sorry, but as a fan... You, Thank you. You've got to... You, I'm, I'm a fan of the show, and I, maybe I'm overstepping my bounds, but you've got to step up. You've got to. It's not fair to him. And I had somebody that I did a podcast with like that. Not, not my partner, but the producer. And he would get mad when I would post stuff on Facebook. Like, why are you, why are you filling my feed? Because I'm getting the show out there. You know? And I, I feel like that's what Ron's doing. Ron is just... You've got to meet him a quarter of the way. I understand how much of an awful person I am. You're not. Right. No, 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 no. You're Thank not. You. I was nice no, enough to no. talk to your publicist and book oh, you in here, no, and then you no, want to no, come no. in and attack me. I didn't me. mean it like come that. On. Oh, shit. I'm so sorry. Come on. I'm so sorry. No, no. Well, that's why uh, That's why I reached out to your publicist to make sure you got in here to plug okay. your movie so you could shit on me oh, while you're here. No, I just, stop, I just fucked up so royally. Jason Ness so, is married. Available um, on Amazon Instant Video, Vimeo On Demand, and iTunes. That's the Starting June 24th, available for pre-order now, JasonNashIsMarried.com, and on Twitter, at Jason23Nash. I'm best friends with Jonah Hill. Now, here's the thing. Don't put your hat on. You're not leaving. Now, you are staying. <laughs> you just fucked up so royally, You fans, didn't fuck up at all. I love how fearless she came in the room. You came in, you're like, I'm a fan. How come this happens? How come that happens? I thought it was great. I really do. But here's what I'm saying, Fez. As pissed as you just got at him, right? Uh Uh-huh. You can get pissed at me like that. I understand, but I don't get pissed at you. How could that be? That's what I'm saying. He's because he's, he's he's your he's your meal ticket. He's he's battling for you, so you can't get pissed at me. I I'm not going to give you anything. No, I realize that. But, but I'll I, give the, you this: Jason Nash tr- is married. Available on Amazon tr- Instant Video, on. Vimeo on Demand, and iTunes starting June 24th. Give me that. Available for pre-order now. Okay, the truth stop. is, is I really, I, I maybe I, I maybe we could work together because I think you're great, and I listen to the show all the time, and I think you add so much, and I think it, kind of what you do does make it a really interesting show. It makes it real, and it really, you really can get in there, and it's not. Well, it's like, a little late now. 
I did. I said that before you got mad at he, me. He, you, he did. I said that. I said I think you're really great on the show and entertaining and funny. We'll have to have you back on a day when I'm in the hospital. Oh, <laughs> what does that mean? Everyone's good. now he's responsible for your no. When I go problems. in for the surgery, what does that mean? What surgery are you having? Give me that. I'm going Give on neck surgery. I don't want you to mean like Chris. You're now going to do plugs, okay? Because Fez did it too cruel. And by the way. This movie is you love funny, how this gets mumbled out. great stars. Oh, you mean Jason Nash is married? Right, now we're not doing it right <laughs> oh, now. Okay. But in the in the in the in the correct time. Sure. Now, Fez, why did you get that mad at him? I was talking about dropping a block on your head. I by the way, I Jason, know you wouldn't r- really drop a block on my head. I'm telling you, I'm fucking close. But here's the thing: I would love for you once just to do it to me what you did to him. I feel like a fucking crazy person. I feel like I'm in sixth sense where I'm not fucking seen or heard. He's guilty. He's guilty that he's he's got himself in this position with you. So if he yells, well, I agree with that. It, I'm so, embarrassed. So he's not going to yell at you because he's embarrassed of himself. By the way, I thought you came into the room great. I found it to be hysterical. <laughs> I, I thought you were pretty rude. No, I think he's bold and he's out there. And, and everything that he was doing was, you know, on the nose. No one ever comes in and asks us what's going on. I'm always surprised. That's all I want to know. If I always imagine myself on these shows, like on ONA. I'm like, what would I say? And I know I would. I would say it would probably piss Anthony off. You know, uh, this is the thing I would say. Anthony, I love you. I think you're so funny. Your politics are, are awful. <laughs> That's what I would say. I think he hears that sometimes. In the you think he does? Yeah. But I don't know he if he'd want to hear I don't No, know. I think he enjoys it. I think Anthony is way open to having those discussions and has fun with it. Yeah. And of course, I don't know him. So that's a radio right. persona. So what, I don't know what he's really like. No, that's Anthony. Is it? Yeah. You, you, you're, he, he's not doing a persona. He's not, not doing a persona. Yeah, there's no dice clay. That's Anthony. Uh, Opie's Opie. And Jim. Actually, Jim is one of the more honest people I've ever seen in my life. Uh, um, in my life too. I love, very, very I love open Jim. about who they are. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go over here to uh, Dan in Chicago. Dan, you're on the run of first show. Hey, Ron, what's up, Fuzz? Yeah. What's up? How you doing, Jason? Hey, how you guys? Do- how you doing, Dan? I'm doing good. Listen, as a fan, Ron, I'm just constantly waiting for Fuzz to step up and just tell you to fuck off. You know, I, I mean, love it. Like, I've told them. It never him. happens. It never happens. So it's like. Maybe that's just the way that, you know, I'm not the only one out here, but... Uh, but here's the thing. Waiting. People act like I don't have friends and family members who don't tell me to fuck off all the time. I hear it all the time. I can hear it from Fez. I could have... Fez has every right to say, dude, would you get off my dick? You busting my balls a little too much. I think that would be healthy. Yeah, he's not going to do it. Because he's, he's mad at himself. You're mad at yourself, Fez? Constantly. I thought you were mad at Jason. Well, I him I'm furious mad. with. I, I'm mad at myself. I, him I'm really <laughs> pissed at. Take it all out on me, because I'm going to walk out the door, and you know, I, I, want, I want you to... You have to get it out there. You've got to get your, your feelings out there. Fez, you, did you watch Jason's movie? No. Why not? Why do people who come in here... I couldn't wait to see his movie. I like to read people's books. You never once... I watched the trailer. I know that you're being like, you're trying to get back up now. But I mean, with any guest that we ever have comes in here, you never know their work. You've never seen their movie, listened to their album. 
No, music I'm just not going to listen to. It's not going to happen. You get that Chrissy Hine was in here yesterday, right? Yes. And that didn't mean anything to you. I understand how important in music Chrissy Hind is. I can appreciate that. But there's no music that I could listen to to reinforce that. What, what do you do after work? What, what, what's your night like? I hang out here, work on the computer, head home. Work on the computer, you mean surf the internet or write bits or... Yeah, look for stuff for the show. I see, yeah, okay. So what Clips. stuff do you ever do that you come in and put on the air? Nothing. I, I don't get anything on the air. And I'm not even fucking kidding about that. And yet he'll think he put in a 10-hour day. <laughs> and I say, do what I do, work a fucking three-hour day, but throw everything into it. Not acting like, oh, I'm preparing. Don't prepare. It's fucking radio. You shouldn't prepare. Did you notice a real difference in yourself when you came out of the closet? Did you notice something change in you? Um, no, I was still, I still had the same fears. I mean, the big, one big fear that was gone was coming out of the closet. Yep. But then the same fears were still there. Right. And in some ways made worse because now you had to be a gay guy and you didn't really want to be a gay guy. I have trouble being a gay guy. You know what? I relate to that. I I always think if I was gay, I'd be like, I I would have trouble. I would, would, would I be brave enough to be gay? In what way? I just, like, let's say I was gay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm such a wuss that I don't know if I would be brave enough to come out and admit it. Why? What are you ashamed of? Well, maybe I would now, but I'm certainly like growing up when when things were different. Things were different twenty years ago. Remember when Will and Grace was on? Everybody was like, "Oh my God!" This see, I go back before you, and I remember fucking Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, Uh and fucking Andy Warhol and Iggy and Lou Reed, and even the Stones. People used to call Mick gay back in the seventies, and I was like, "Be fucking flamboyant," and then fucking throw down. Gay guys used to have to fucking. They weren't accepted, but they made a cooler scene than everybody else. Yeah. But this whole thing of accept me, accept me, is where you give up your fucking power. Fuck everybody else. I wouldn't give a shit what they were into. Yeah. The coolest fucking people in history have been on the fringes. That's the, always the coolest fucking people. No one ever says, look at that number one movie. It's so fucking good. You know what I mean? It's always shit. It's always been shit. Be on the fucking fringes. It's easy to be gay if you're David Bowie. Well, the thing is, when he came out, uh, a lot of people thought, you know, Elton didn't come out for years because it affected music sales. You know what I mean? And then he even married a woman at one point. What was your childhood like? What were your mother and father like? Yeah, you never bring that up. Yeah, you you should probably know if you're such a big fan of the I'll show. Why are being mean? Oh, you who know? started it? Who came in here like an ass? Ass? I thought. I thought. I think. I honestly think. I thought very rude, tripping. very disrespectful after being invited to plug his movie. It isn't plugging his movie. It's being on the show. We haven't talked about my movie that much. I mean, I'm just. I'm, Whose fault is that? Uh, I'm here to. I'm here to like talk about what I want to talk about and be real and and you know show respect to the show and I think by. Nice job. Asking the questions that I think all the fans want to hear. Um, I think I'm taking it in the right direction. People, I mean, you can't make people buy a movie. They'll, they'll, I think you're going to... I'm just asking, can you tell me about your mother and father? Or you don't want to? My father's dead. My mother's still alive. What were they like growing up? Here, I'll tell you about mine. My father was super macho, like crazy, violent... 
uh, loving and violent, violent and loving. My mother is was is Jewish, super loving. So I would go back and forth between like over love and like total fear. So that's that's made me who I am. So I have like a thing in my head telling me that I'm like tough and like crazy, but really I'm just like a Jewish kid, like a you know mama's boy, um, and my entire existence is is constantly based on my father, what my father thought of me, and I'm not man enough, and that's what the movie's about. And so that's that's my thing. So I always think it's best to tell your thing before. Now you tell me yours. It's basically the same thing, except the macho one in my family was my mother. Really? Did she not love you? She, I, she loved me. She never really liked me. If we want to do this one more time. Wow, that's just like me. I love him, but don't like him. I'm your mother. I just oh my god! Out. Wow! I'm your mother. Jason Nash is giving breakthrough. us a breakthrough. He's giving us nothing. He's giving us a breakthrough. <laughs> That's why I like your mom so much. I agree with her. He's giving us nothing but a shitty day at Sirius XM. Why are you so much? Stop being like <laughs> that for real. Seriously, stop. Being I don't mind at all. I don't mind at all. I, I feel I, I could I've, I would. This is going. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I feel like part of the show. You so are part much. of the show today. I love it. Uh, Absolutely love it that Fez is mad at me. Are you going to stop, Fez? I'm going to get on the plane tomorrow with a, such a smile on my face. I'm going to get on with you. <laughs> We're going that way. I'm a little nervous, but I think it's a whole new life for me. What was your father like? He was very funny, but he wasn't around a lot. Yeah, mine wasn't either. And when he was, you had to, like, uh, temper his feeling, you know. I always say I used to talk to my father like like a grown-up when I was eight. Why don't, why don't we put on Daddy, Why uh, Don't You Walk So Fast, and you two can fucking cry on each other like in a, in a fucking men's circle. <laughs> I don't know if I know this. I don't know if I know this song, but it sounds great. Yeah. Fez, are you there? It's Jason. Look, man, I'm so sorry what happened today on the radio. I'm a big fan of yours, and maybe I was out of line. And, and I want you to know that I love you, and I want you to get better. And I, uh, for you, not for me, not for the fans, not for Ron, not for Chris. I want you to get better, man, and I want you to hold your weight here. And I love you. find out if it's real. Look up a Kevin Meany thing, who is our buddy. Do you know Kevin Meany, the comedian? Of course. Uh, he works over here. Is he in the news? Yeah, he's in All the right. news. Read uh, this off. CBS Two Sources, comedian Kevin Meany cleared an alleged JFK airport assault. <laughs> what? How could Kevin Meany be in the airport assault? <laughs> So did this just happen, or is this a court case for it? This is, uh, it looks like it, it's a court case for it. The district attorney will not prosecute comedian Kevin Meany for allegedly assaulting a woman at JFK International Airport. I didn't even know he was accused before he got to being cleared. It happened on Tuesday inside Terminal 1 at JFK. Hey, somebody just wrote to me that they want to be an intern. Jack Straker. Is their name? This guy sounds perfect. Look <laughs> like at Tom us. Cruise character. Is that Get the guy from Star to Tomorrow? Get me Jack Straker. <laughs> I need water. Get me Jack Straker. Damn it! 
Hey, what's up? I'm uh, Jack Straker. Um, I go to Boston College. Kevin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, I, I gotta say, this is by far the best interview I've ever I love uh, heard. On I the love radio. Jason Nash. I love and, that. And you I know what? I've out. never, in all these years, I've never had somebody come into the studio who brought so much out of Fez. It's just more anger that people don't like. No, no, no. We do like it. We do like it. We want to unravel you. I want to do an unmask with Fez. I want to be guest host. And I want to get it out. Because I know... Yeah, I'd love to sit down with you again on the radio. I I plan on doing something with Fez called Unplugged. And it'll be... I know he told me not to do this, but I'm yanking the plug out. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you're... I'm attacking you, or we're attacking you, and I. Who's way? No, you. I feel like I'm attacking you. I feel like you think I'm attacking you, and I, I, I'm, re- I'm yes, really you not. Are. I apologize a bunch of times. Is Kevin still there? I feel like I'm being a broken no, record. Kevin Maney, he's no. been cleared. No, the guy that was on, I thought he could argue my case. Uh, here's Bob in Miami. He's really mad, by the show. way. Like I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's an act. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He doesn't fucking perform enough for this to be an act. Okay. He's literally mad at you. Here's the good news. You just made best of. First <laughs> fucking first vacation. Mark this. This getting slapped back in. Oh, I love you so much. It's great. Um, Thank you. Hey, uh, Bob in Miami. Not if Fez is in control of it, though. Bob. Don't got you, buddy? I hear the cocksucker there. Uh, here's, uh, John in Idaho. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, yeah. this guy, uh, this guy's great, Jason Nash. Honestly, dude, I wasn't going to look into your movie, but after this, uh, this, this showing, I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out, because, uh, you're bringing a lot of offense. I think you should, uh, relax and kind of listen to you a little bit. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bob. And, uh, as, as a fellow fan of the show, I really do appreciate that. And this is for you. Here's, uh, Matt. Matt, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I have to agree with Jason, too. I mean, uh, I'm a new listener, and hearing all this stuff about your guys' past is awesome, and hearing Fez get angry is even better. <laughs> I'm also going to check out his movie just uh, just because of this interview right here. Uh, awesome. Here's, here's Don. Don, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hi, Ron. Enjoy bucks, brother. Yeah. Hey, Fez, I love you to death. I think you're a hell of a guy. But I'd like to know, and this is not an attack, but I'd like to know when the truth is brought up, the honesty is laid out on the table about your feelings towards Ron, you just totally shut down and deny it. I know you have pissed off feelings towards him. Why can't you just say, yeah? No, I love him. Why can't you say it? You can say that you get pissed off at me. I don't. I worry about you. I worry about what I do to you. Um, I don't get pissed off at you. Nothing, even an annoying thing, like he smacks his mouth, smacks his gums. Nothing. Or... Just drives you nuts. Oh, there he is with a fucking cigar again. Nothing. Sometimes you get off mic too much. God damn it. Wow. You know what? I, I like that it. as a listener, I, actually. You know what? I fucking had it. I'm done with this <laughs> fucking show. Holy shit. You know what? Seriously. Take I'm not going to fucking sit in here. Take that shit. Up. He's leaving. I, I've had it. I'm out. Jason, I hope you're fucking proud of yourself. I said sometimes. No. it's That's something you can never take back, Fez. <laughs> I've done nothing but try my best with you, Fez. And now this is the way you're fucking... You're off mic again. You're fucking treating me that way. 
I'm done. You're way off, <laughs> Mike. With this whole shitty show. Stand by for more of the best of Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog Comedy. It's Channel 99. And now, back, back to the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez. Raw Dog. Comedy Hit. Channel 99. It's the Ron and Fez show on vacation. Hey, head on over to the iBang and see a couple of really cool things. Uh, we've all been checking out the YouTube, uh, the booty shaking girls of YouTube. Beautiful asses. Um, you're a big fan of the ass shaking booty girls. Yeah. Of YouTube. Love it. Just go one after another. They just these these are girls who know how to work it on the YouTubes. Also, there's the hilarious. Uh, classic pranks of professional <laughs> athletes. Uh, but coming up next is one of our favorite people on the planet Earth doing an unmask that is hilarious as well as it is uh, smart and informative. He's really one of the great comics working today. It is on unmasked Colin Quinn. This is the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez. Yeah. It's Colin Quinn. A man, Hi, Ron. A, a man with his coat. He's here. He's ready to do the a show man for his coat. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually so glad that you did this. When we started this, you were one of the first names that everybody talked about getting. Because and how you, long have you been on? Six years. So you were <laughs> one of the first names we talked about getting. Well, I will say this. I'll say this. We've called your people. I know. My and, people are very shabby. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and um, they act like, uh, you know, like you owe us money or something. They just, yeah. they're, they're dodging us. Well, I know. They do. But that's on my orders probably. <laughs> sure. I'm something of a, I'm a public recluse. <laughs> It comes off that I'm way. Like, yeah, I am. I'm always out doing comedy every night, yet I'm a recluse in a certain way. At, at the same time, it's you're too like, early to get into that. That should yeah. be like three quarters of the week. <laughs> We're going to do that. We're going to get that. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to open with, and that's how my father died. Because <laughs> <laughs> then we nice. have nowhere to go. <laughs> but uh, the reason why we wanted you right away, too, is you are known as Comedian's Comedian. Comics like you. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you say that like it means nothing to you. <laughs> Comedian's no, comedian. Comics like you. I, I should have been happier when I said it. You should but, have been like, comics like you. Yeah. I mean, that's really saying something. But now you just let it sit there and get all the... Uh, well, I don't... Everyone think about that like, and at the end, everyone's saying, so what? Well, well, the only... You interrupted there's me. silence in yeah. the air. So what? It has to be the end there somewhere. I was going to say, and that has no worth. That's where I was, where it doesn't have going. a lot of financial work. That's yeah. for sure. But, but it, it does, it's got to mean something to you, the fact that yeah. there's people out there on the road and people who have done everything you've done for years will have like a story about you or talk about your integrity. That's got to be a good feeling. Sure. It is yeah. a good feeling, actually. You know, I mean, you know, it's definitely it definitely it kept me in the business. You know, when I first started comedy. I got zero laughs. I used to get no laughs. I mean, I would once in a while I would do okay, but I just could not. I just bombed more than any other comedian. I bombed every night, and then one night 
I was doing a set at the comedy cellar. I got in because once again the comics got me in, mm-hmm. and I went on stage and I just was bombing so badly. It was a great crowd. It was a great night, and just silence for like twenty minutes, like a Wednesday. <laughs> I had the best spot. There was no excuse, <laughs> and I was like, "That's it." As I was leaving the stage, I was like, "That's it for me." I'm, I'm that's it. I, obviously, this is not what I'm supposed to do, you know. And then the MC was this guy, Billiam Cornell. Mm-hmm. That's not a uh, misprint, Billiam. <laughs> um, that was one of his jokes. His name was Billiam instead of William. <laughs> it was 1986. It was funny at the time. <laughs> there weren't that many comedians around, but, but he was a funny guy. But he was the MC, and he goes on stage right after I'm getting off, and I'm just thinking, that's it for me. I'll never do this again. You know, I gotta go into something else. And um, and he goes, folks. That was the funniest comedy set you'll ever see, and you don't even know it. And that's like that kind of little right. support really helped keep me in the business. So that's another reason I love comedians, you know. Well, I, I oh, think... Oh, how comedians love me. Yeah. Different story. But, but I, I, I do think there's a certain part of that is like you don't normally tell jokes or have that comedian ry- rhythm. You're not doing... Uh, a kind of standard oh I get it that's where the punchline is yeah maybe that's part of it and in those days it was really a part I mean it was really I would just ramble the whole time and Mm. uh, yeah so that's probably part of it I'm not sure what it is but comedians have always been my biggest fans right if only there were more of them and they they weren't notoriously cheap (laughs) if there was 2,000 in every town exactly (laughs) I get like the three local guys when I like improv in Cleveland the three local guys that aren't paying right and they come in the back and you like hey man you're really funny this guy doesn't use me you know it's all about them they're like yeah this club owner's an asshole I want to get out of Cleveland, Columbus is where I like that. <laughs> but was there any point, like when you were younger and starting, that you thought to yourself, "All right, what is like Dennis Miller or Jerry Seinfeld guys that seem like they they have a little more craft?" Or you just thought, "I'm going to go my own path here." No, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I never uh, actually Dennis Miller to this day this haunts me. It's funny you brought up Dennis Miller because when I first started, I was in probably in it for about two years, and Dennis Miller was like on Saturday Night Live, and it's like mm-hmm. you know he was the hero. He came to New York, he was like funny, but he was like still like on comedians' terms. He was like cursing, and it's like he was breaking all the rules the clubs held for us, and still like you know they had to be right. so funny. And then he started to he watched me a couple of times, and he literally came to a show with his date at the time, which was like a big giant deal, like nineteen eighty seven. And he came, or 88, and he watched me do a whole, like, hour. So it was my first, like, headlining stuff. And he sat there and watched me at the end. And it was, like, the biggest compliment in the world. And at the end of the show, he came up to me and he goes, Quinn, you're amazing, man. There's just something missing, and I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> and to this day, I know that's true. And it drives me crazy. <laughs> to this day. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I wish... I would like to see him and ask him that sometime. Yeah. But he probably wouldn't even... I asked him once, like, one time. I go, what did you mean by that? I was crying. I don't remember that, but it's like, it still bugs me to this day. Well, know? it's the perfect line to torture any young comic yes, it with. Is. <laughs> You're but like, I mean, and he was coming. He was a yeah. fan. He was coming to sure. see me. So I really believe he meant it in a good way. But it's like... But Jesus. maybe if he didn't have his chick with him, he could have just focused on whatever that one thing was. I think you're right. Exactly. <laughs> he had one foot. He's like, one thing's missing with you. And listen, man, what do you want? And it's like, he doesn't realize it's been tormenting me for like 22 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were a Brooklyn guy. I grew up a Brooklyn yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that still seems to be like a big part of every everything of, of your act. And who Yeah. You I mean, it's a, definitely a part of like, I like the whole, I like neighborhoods. I still love mm. the fact that, you know, everybody, I love like any stuff to do with like blocks or right. interaction I mean obviously now like I, I even say it's like Long Island is more like Brooklyn than Brooklyn in yeah. certain ways but it's like yeah I love any kind of any people interaction 
any ethnic stuff. Like when I grew up, there was a like every school we went to was like multiracial. Mm-hmm. So I hate when people like try to tell you don't do racial stuff. You know, if you're white, you know, or stuff like that. Like it's very. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like being out of a time where you're like, sure. like you know, you're really not supposed to say that. And it's like, yeah, but you know, when we used to talk like that, you know, everybody did. I'm not saying we would sit in the corner and whisper like that. I'm saying everybody, <laughs> like, you know, you say it to people. Like they down south. We used to talk like that. That's <laughs> <laughs> only what happened. Right. So, Suddenly, BET pops yeah. up. <laughs> no, but I mean, people would say things to each other's face, and it was all about like disrespecting and insulting people but you know being quick about it and you know it was like ethnic mixed stuff you know well here's the thing about you too I think that there's a lot of comedians who will tell you how they were the, the funny guy in their neighborhood or whatever but I think really funny people see humor and all the people in their neighborhood and they see that some of these people are really hysterical real physical characters yeah you know I think, that was, I think definitely people on my block but this first play I used to do called Irish Wing mm-hmm. But that was all based on my neighbors, because, like, exactly, you see them every day, and they're so funny, you know? But it's like, when, when you were a little, like, some things that I we thought were funny, like, I had a neighbor, Ray Pacello, and he, Ray Pacello, he'd come out, Ray Pacello, and we, he always tried to act like a badass, you know? Like, we mm-hmm. had, of course, he was, like, the straight guy, and across the street, we had, like, the mob guy, who would come out and just, like, in a, you know, just, like... Ask my mother out every day. It was like traumatizing. It's like, hey, Ray. My mother had red hair, you know. Red, let's go get a steak dinner. You know, I was like, oh. My mother's going to be like a gumah for this, like, mob guy, you know. Like seven years old. Because my mother was hot, you know. I mean, relative. You know. I say that objectively. Right. And the, uh, but my, but Ray Pacella, we used to laugh because we're like, this guy tries to be a tough guy. We didn't realize. Like, one time he goes to us, fellas, I used to walk into it because he worked for the IRS. And he goes, I walk into a place and I go, Ray Pacello. And he flashed his thing, IRS. And we all laughed because we're like little kids. Like, ah, ha, ha. Like, he's the FBI. <laughs> Meanwhile, people were probably more scared of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me take a couple moments. I want to make sure we added out Pacello out of the last four times. Why? He's probably passed away. <laughs> oh, you mean because of the IRS? I'm a little slow. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, but but so that, that's one of the things about you that you were able to see that stuff at a very early age, and I don't think suburban kids get that as easy. You know what I mean? I don't think everybody mixes as much. I think they do now. Yeah. In fact, I know they do now. You read yesterday's paper. The suburbs <laughs> are more right. You know, they're more multicultural than the city is in some yeah. ways now. But at the same time, I don't think they're on top of each other. They're kind of in their own yards or whatever. You yeah, know? to a degree. Yeah, to a degree. But I think I don't know. I mean, now I feel like it's different. But yeah, when I was a kid, it was definitely more that way. It seemed like you know. When we visit any cousins in the suburbs, we're like, wow, this is weird. Nobody's on the street, you know? Yeah. Like, L.A. is kind of like that, you know? Yeah, it's it's a different way that, that you grew yeah, up Yeah, people in. weren't just right next to each other. Everyone's on the sub-public transportation. Like, you didn't have school buses. You took the train to school or the yeah. bus to school, right? <laughs> Take the train to school. Imagine <laughs> yeah, how, right. how kids would feel about that. Mom, I'm getting on the train. I'm on my way to school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for you, did when did the comedy thing start to kind of call out to you a little bit? When I was when I was a little kid, I, I just I was just uh, you know I was like the loud mouth kid, and people started laughing. Like when I was like twelve, twelve, I started doing impressions. Mm-hmm. It really is so nerdy when you're a comedian because <laughs> it's like I would do like impressions, but like the the impressionists from those days were doing impressions from like the 1950s. So I'd be out there like twelve years old with like long hair, trying to do like Humphrey Bogart and <laughs> you know Peter Lorre. I didn't even know who these people were. And then my friends, they watch TV too. There's only like three channels on TV. Like, hey, that's a pretty good Peter Lorre, you know. 
But then, uh, <laughs> that's not exactly going to carry you throughout a career, yeah. is it? Oh, he's the guy who does Peter Laurie. It's amazing. <laughs> so funny, you know, your sense of reality. But there were a lot of funny people. That's what's yeah. so weird. Like, there's a lot of funny people. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'd run into people that were just just as funny in different ways than I that I was funny, but never became comedians for whatever reason, you know. Well, and you kind of uh, of stayed with that, like even some of the shows you did with Tough Crowd and all. It did feel like the guys on the corner. It felt like guys standing That's around the corner, Thanks, wasting man. time and and just having fun <laughs> yeah, with exactly. each other. You yeah. know what I mean? Enjoying themselves. You could argue that's what stand-up comedy is. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> folks. Ready to waste some time? Yeah, and, really. Well, there, there is a certain, I think, truth to that. Yeah. That people can show up and be in a place that used to be about community, and now you kind of have to go out and, and pay for it a little bit. You know? Wow. That's good and sad. Yeah. <laughs> stand up, they go, folks, it used to be our community, now you got to pay for it. <laughs> you want that false sense of bonding and connecting with your fellow human beings? This ain't the ancient Greeks. You fucking pay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, That's exactly right. Yeah, and actually, but it is a community. Yeah. When you go on the road, as you know, yeah. you'll be in there in, in a club, and you'll be like, like this one drunk, and the whole crowd's like, Joe! And then, uh, <laughs> Well, how about those people that run the rip-off business? Yeah. That's Bill. He's like, oh, I, I, you know. <laughs> but really, when you would hang on the corner, there were only some guys that could only do like 10 minutes. They would be like an opening act. That's I right. Shut up. That's you right. Know? Or somebody would be telling a story and somebody else would come along and you'd get bumped. Like, uh, wow. this guy's better. That's exactly, that's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. You're right. And somebody would come along and just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was definitely all, everyone was sitting on the stoop. Right. And then some guys would come and hold court for a little while, but they had to... Yeah. But to take that from Brooklyn, where you're hanging out with your friends, to come over in Manhattan with doing the comedy clubs, you know, Woody Allen has kind of made a career of how that's a totally different world. It's a totally different thing to do for, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was definitely, it was definitely, uh, I was just, I was just thinking about a guy from Long Island that disproves all these theories. This kid I knew named Al Cantor. I went to Stony Brook College, University. Mm -hmm. I went to Stony Brook for a year. This guy, Al Cantor. Used to come in. He was from Massapequa, Long Island, the the uh, the epitome of Long. Island. And he would come in and tell stories to us. From he worked in the ambulance corps, and every story he told was so funny. And <laughs> and he could have been like a genius comedian. It was like every story was right. like a twenty minute story with little digressions. And that guy was like, but I wonder why it never he never became a comedian. But it was just so interesting that like he was a guy that had, but also he worked in the ambulance course. He always had a good story from that night. Sure. My advice to anyone getting into comedy would be get an interesting job for five years. Right. Because the big problem with comedians, we're all like trying to be, everybody says the same thing. I just want to quit my day job so I can write full time. Yeah. And then they're sitting there with no day job writing and there's nothing to write about. Hey, did you ever get up at 1130 in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we waste all yeah. these years, you know. <laughs> if I had known that, you know. Well, it is true because all the Novelists would always, you know, right, like right. the more of a uh, background that you had, like it took Kerouac like 15 years to get published and it was the best thing that happened to him. Right. But then you go see stand-ups and they're all like, when the maid wakes you up in the hotel room. Right. And a normal person yeah, is out gonna... of the hotel room at 8 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> you know, no one's ever been woken up by a maid that works a regular job. By the way, I like the fact that Ron goes, Kerouac got published 15 years later, best thing that ever happened to him. Of course, he died of alcoholism three years later. <laughs> 
<laughs> Three years after getting published, he died of alcoholism. Like, we have different ideas of the best yeah. thing that ever happened to a guy. Right? But, but at least he had those books. Yeah. Because if he would have been published at 21, right. you know, he might have been dead at 24. That's right. Uh, a lot of people, that's the worst thing that can happen. Like, oh, you got everything Success, you want. Sure. Yeah. You got everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like you said, comedy is a perfect example of. Uh, you know, and but you were asking about when we first started the clubs and going yeah. to transition. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was so, f I was so naive. Everybody was, but I mean, I just remember being online. And of course, I was online almost every week. Chris Rock, Adam Sandler. <laughs> I mean, we were online all the time. We all knew each other from the lines mm -hmm. of trying to get auditions. Because they'd actually, on Monday nights at the Strip and the, and the Kaya Catch a Rising Star, they would actually, if you waited online and you got there early enough, you know, you'd have to wait on like six, seven hours. So we all knew each other. And and you'd get a spot, you know, you get like a number, and then you'd get on late at night, and um, but it was like yeah, and then going on there, and then walking off like, how could I not have passed? I remember the first time I auditioned at Comic Strip, I went on and I did pretty well, you know, despite my bombing through throughout my comedy. <laughs> it was like my first set, I was excited, the crowd, and the the MC came up to me once again, comedians being my biggest fans. The MC came up to me afterwards. He goes, "You're a natural. Come back in a year." And I was like, <laughs> in a year, I'll be on like uh, TV. You better get me. Right. But, but of course, you should have said, come back in five years. Right. Ten sure. years. <laughs> because it takes that long before you even understand your own voice or whatever, you know. Well, did you ever think it might have been better if you weren't in New York at that time, that you, you were out somewhere that you could have, you know, had a shorter line? or? Yeah. In some ways, it would have been better. I mean, for me, it was better because... Uh, but I mean, I would, then I would go on the road, like the few road gigs mm -hmm. I got. Like I remember going to North Carolina, I had like three minutes, five minutes on the subway. So they're looking at me like, hey man, we don't live it, we don't have a subway. <laughs> so yeah. it, it taught you a lot of lessons from going on the road too. But yeah, pro probably would have had more time if I'd been on the road, but the good thing about New York is you really learn like the rules of like what's hack. Like a lot of problems with the road is a lot of guys will work out, but they'll be doing stuff that's quote unquote hack. Depending mm -hmm. on the era, what's hack then is not you know necessarily hack now, but so so you so in a way New York at least it cut through. I didn't have to worry about that part. Then coming to New York and having everybody think I'm a hack, you know, right, sure. a lot of really funny guys, but just because they weren't exposed to everybody night after night the way we were, yeah, so that they had to relearn certain things, you know. They didn't know that some of these topics were, topics were already beat to death. Yeah, because they because weren't they're going on the road by themselves every yeah. night. Everyone's laughing, so how would you know, you know? So when you started to get on at the clubs, how long before you thought to yourself, yeah, I'm going to stick with this. This is... this is Like I said, it was more. that night yeah. that really changed, changed yeah. uh, how I felt. Before that, I would go through ups and downs. So I'm like, hey, this is good, you know, I'm, but I was never a good comic uh, for years you know for years even when I was I was on MTV and even then I'd go on the road and I was not a good comic you know I was okay I had some funny things and I was a funny person like right. if I worked a crowd I'd be funny but I was never a good comic for years it took me years to really learn it took me 10 years now the to a comedian how did you get on the MTV how did you get from you doing just because of my voice you know they yeah. heard my voice I was at a club I was doing I was like well known in the city like I said among yeah. the comedians in the city I was like an up and comer so you know I got good spot I got all the things that people would want in comedy in New York at that time which was I'd get on at the clubs a lot but I was very hit or miss in the clubs but they were looking for people for MTV and they just heard my voice they're like wouldn't it be funny to be like the announcer because his voice is you know right. so grating and so <laughs> you, you got on there and even though you didn't feel like you were polished you weren't ready there was something really likable about you on that show that people that watched the show kind of went 
Oh, I, I get this guy. I think I, this guy would be fun to hang out with. Yeah, that's what everybody said. They said, he's the kind of guy you want to have a beer with. Right. Meanwhile, you know, I, but I used to smoke on the show, too, like the first <laughs> <Right>. year. <laughs> I used to, like, you could smoke on TV. Yeah. And they cut that out of the first season. But I was just chain smoking. I was chain smoked. I, I smoked three packs a day. <laughs> so I was always smoking anyway. So it wasn't like I was trying to smoke. I was just always smoked. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to smoke on the show. And it's funny, you know. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah. Eventually they caught up with it and said, wait. Yeah, after the first season, they're like, good. hey, stop that. Yeah, the show's too popular. <laughs> Yeah, kids are watching. with kids, like, like little kids yeah. are watching it. And I remember a kid coming up to me once a couple of years later going, Hey man, you're the reason I started So that had to be, uh, I mean that is a, a crazy, because once you're in clubs, right? Right. And you work into nothing but adults that are drinking like you said now little kids are watching right. the show it's a totally different world for you yeah totally totally yeah. uh and the show was really like young people running it young people doing it we'd never seen anything like right that before. exactly it was like the first of those types of ironic yeah. kind of show that was making fun of game shows but being a game show yeah and ken ober was i thought just one of those people that was just perfect i mean just talking about a guy doing exactly what he should have been doing I at mean, that age to 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 do that kind of a job like a game show host right. and make it hip. Right. Nobody could have done that but him. Or at least nobody I knew. Yeah, at, at the just, same time, yeah, people that don't get like the broadcasting aspect is like he's making fun of broadcasting as he's broadcasting. Right. You know, he, he and wasn't he breaking it. the rules of broadcasting. No, Everything got done. No, exactly. You know? He ran the trains on time. Like, yeah. You know, it was amazing. I just went to another memorial for him. You know, he died. Uh, yeah. And uh, I went to one they had in Hartford, Connecticut last week. And it was all just the friends that grew up with him this time. It wasn't mm -hmm. all the Hollywood. First, I went to one in L.A. And all these comedians were like talking about how brilliant he was. In fact, Dennis Miller, again, one time him and Ken Ober were, uh, no, but this is where Dennis <laughs> this was is nice being one. good. And, <laughs> and him and Ken were having like a, they had never met. Like this is like mm -hmm. 1991. And it was like these two gunslings because Dennis Miller was considered like the reference. You know, he just like throw a reference on top of And Ken Ober. If you, you know, yeah. he was like that too. And then after a minute, they just met, and Dennis Miller just turns to me and goes, Quinn, this guy's pretty fucking good. Because <laughs> he was like so genius. But all his friends were talking about growing up with him and what it was like to grow up with a guy like that. You know? So, did you guys at that point, you're all young, and all of a sudden this thing is popping, and MTV had a lot of power in those yeah. days. I mean, it yes, really it did. did. So, it had to be like being in a band there for a couple of years. You know? It was like that. Actually, it had a lot of power. This guy, uh, this reporter from named Bob Green, who was like some famous guy. Oh, sure, Colorado. in Chicago? Yeah. yeah. And he came up to me one day, and he, we were in spring break, and he goes, I can't believe it. He goes, all these cameras from NBC and stuff, these kids don't give a damn, but when MTV comes, they like have total reverence, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And uh, and um, so it was like that. It was like MTV. We were like, we were, ju they, we were just, it was ridiculous. I remember one time we were at the... Uh, a strip club one time and uh, <laughs> and all the strippers it was like our first like we just were starting to get the idea like we're well known like Kenny mm -hmm. had been out in some college thing because nobody over 22 knew who we were everybody that knew us was yeah. 21 or under so it was so weird like we'd walk around the streets of New York and all these kids would be like ah and all these adults were like who are, who are these assholes <laughs> and then we went to a strip club and all the strippers ran away from their customers now you might say weren't the strippers over 21 apparently not <laughs> and, <laughs> and they ran away from their customers and just started hanging out with us and then Kenny just turns to me and goes it's never gonna be okay again he goes, it's never gonna be okay again and I go what do you mean he goes it's never gonna be okay to be just a person again look at this and I was like ah but of course you know what he's saying is like yeah this is like weird now you know right. so, 
Uh, but when something like that happens, do you think, all right, I've hit it, this is it, or did you realize this is just well, about, about MTV? No, I mean, to both. Like, yeah. on the one hand, I was like, I started writing, like, compulsively, because, like I said, my act stunk. I still wanted to be a comedian, mostly, mm -hmm. you know? So I was like, I was famous, but I was going to gigs, and people were, like, laughing politely, like they were excited to see me. And yeah. I remember going to these gigs, and all these kids would be there, like, ah, laughing, like, he's doing comedy. They weren't laughing at my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, good for him. This is what, it's his thing. He likes to do this. You know, just right. indulge him till we get autographs after. Right. <laughs> and so they just line up autographs, saying, hey, want to go drinking with us? And I'm like, they didn't give a shit. I'm like, what about my heart, man? <laughs> and then, so it was like sort of that weird vibe where you're like, oh, my God, I'm not... I'm right. good at what you're, I think I do for a fucking living. Yeah, know? at that point, you're a personality instead of a comic. I'm a personality, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and TV is really, really a, a powerful thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's incredible. Well, I remember even like Tim Allen, when he was mm -hmm. on Home Improvement, I remember him saying he was doing comedy, and people yelling out, where's Al, where's Al, and shit like that, you know? Because people are more into the show, they want to know where's everybody, you know? Yeah. You know, and... Um, so, so I just I started getting compulsive. Like I would literally stay in a lot and just write and try to learn how to write because I was like I because I felt like the MTV thing wasn't going to last anyway. I I sort of knew even though I was you know we were well known. I mean we were right. really well known. It was it was and uh, but I just felt like I better start writing compulsively. So I started really trying to learn how to write scripts. I became a very boring guy for a guy that was you know should have been enjoying his fucking life. Yeah, I mean normally people hit that and they start partying and that's you know. what I should have been doing. Right. But <laughs> I did that for a few months. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, I got to get serious now. This is going to end. and I'm going to be fucked, you know. And I would just try to write, you know, and like learn how to take these screenwriting courses. I was just a real, although in my screenwriting course was Rick Derringer. <laughs> Not Rick Derringer, Rick Springfield. Oh, so it would have been so much better with Rick Derringer. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost impressed. I, <laughs> so I was like doing all this kind of stuff, like trying to be like, you know, trying to, trying to learn how to write. Because yeah. I was panicking because I was like, you know, here I am doing a, I'm a comedian. You make it but you're not that good. Yeah. So. Uh, and then, of course, the thing does kind of have a lifespan. Um, yeah, like 89, let's say 88 to 91, it was like, you know, MTV, and then suddenly it was all over, you know. Did you guys feel it on the show, or did you just start to... Well, I left the show. What yeah. happened was I was lying on the couch. They even have a picture, and I think it's from that day, of me lying on the couch the last season, and the executive producer like, hey, man, we want to do another year. And I just looked at him, I go, I can't. I can't do this. I said, we're out of fucking Brady Bunch questions. <laughs> and they go, and they all looked at me to their credit. They go, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was successful, like you would have squeezed another year. Right. They, we all knew. It was like, come on, man. It's so, too much. So when that thing... Uh, kind of comes down a little bit. Was yeah. it a relief at that time, or it was relief were you scrambling for the next thing? It was relief for me. Yeah, I was I was relieved because I felt like you know, like it, it, we really had squeezed the life out of it, and I had these uh, amb I had these aspirations to like write movies. You know, my screenwriting class was very important, as I right. told you, and so I had written these scripts and I was trying to get them going. But you know, it's, and it's they went. Yeah, right. <laughs> but at least there, you know, you're chasing the art. There's so many people that just have this thing. When you talk about compulsion, it's just to be on TV. Right. No matter what they're fucking doing, it doesn't sure. matter. I got to be on TV. But uh, there's an argument for that, too. Because, yeah. I mean, that shit, I wasted a lot of years sitting in my stupid house. So you thought maybe if you could have done it over, you would have... 
look Maybe. for the next project where I you're remember hot? one time, another stripper story. My friend comes over to my house <laughs> with a stripper. <laughs> and he goes, hey, man. And the girl's like saying, like, let's hang out. And I go, guys, I have to write. And she goes to me to show how she was an authentic person. I was a phone. She goes, I'll give you something to write about. <laughs> <laughs> like, cut the autistic bullshit. I'll give you something to write about. Maybe. But I was just obsessed yeah. with it. I was always trying to write. Knowing how much uh, strippers were hanging around you, I understand why you want to <laughs> now keep your coat so close to you at all times. <laughs> Checking the pockets. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> so next for you, after... After MTV, uh, the next thing for you is when you hooked up with, uh, I guess, Saturday Night Live? Yeah. It was like, say, 91. So, 91 to like two, to 95 before I was on Saturday Night Live. And then um, those four years, I was doing stand-up, but, you know, we just kept getting, you know, it was like going downhill and like, you know, I mean, we, we still could have done a lot of college gigs, I have to say. We, we just did, Kenny didn't want to do stand-up at all. Mm-hmm. He was just done with stand-up before. The minute we started at MTV... He was like, I'm done with stand-up. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, like heresy, you know? I was like, Kenny, well, how could you say it? He goes, I don't give a shit. All I want to do... He was like very, you know, he was like, I want to travel. I want to, you know... He goes, I want to get gigs where I can travel, where I can go to good restaurants, really live life. So, like, it was yeah. just... We had two different ways of viewing it, you know? And um, so he didn't want to do stand-up, so I would go out on the road by myself. But again, it was just, like, me doing clubs, and, like, the clubs, I was too... My audience was younger. They were in high school and, you know, maybe the first year of college. So clubs that were selling okay, but, you know, the only fans that were there for me would be like, remote control. And the rest of the crowd's like, what's he talking about? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm <laughs> so, I mean, I was doing okay. I was making money doing stand-up, but some money. But, you know, um, then I was writing my little movies. and then, But I was not doing I was not doing well. I was not doing, uh, you know, we, we were just like guys, you know, footnote from MTV. Right. And, uh, like, whatever happened to... And then uh, Saturday Night Live, my friend Fred Wolf, who's a comedian, mm-hmm. who uh, g- always loves to tell this story, how he got me in the improv in L.A. in 1987. He goes, hey, man, do you remember that story? He just told me this last summer because he writes with Adam Sandler in the movie, you know, this movie growing up. So I did. And he goes, do you remember what happened? And I, I forgot. He goes, yeah, I got you in the... I recommend you to the L.A. Improv. This is like 1987. And I was totally sober. I was... He goes, yeah. And the next day, I go, how did your audition go? Like, he went to put his name on the line. You know, he wasn't that big of a comic, but he really liked what I did, like comedian's comedian. Mm -hmm. And I go, yeah, well, I had a fist fight with the uh, manager. I had a fight. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, man, you weren't even, like, guilty about it. I recommended you and you had a fight. (laughs) But so he, despite that... Years later, he goes and uh, recommends me to Lorne Michaels. So they're in L.A. to see comedy. I go on. The audience is, this is like 1995. The audience is a summer camp because comedy was like dying at that time, you know. Mm. It's probably doing it again. It goes to those periods where, you know, people just stop caring. And it was a summer camp that was in the audience. So my act was like, you know, whatever, you know, trying to be. They just, I they just looked at me. I bombed <laughs> so badly. And... uh but they hired me as a writer, and I could see Fred. I looked in the corner of my eye. Fred's like leaning to Lauren, like, yeah, like he's a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then Lauren Michaels busting my balls about this. So they hired me as a writer for Saturday Night Live. And then when I was writing, they started getting me on the air, you know, because it was the first year of a whole new cast. They're like, oh, do you want to try something for update features with Norm? So I'd go and do these characters. And then, you know, that was it. How did you like, uh, I mean, here all this time you're writing scripts and stuff, trying to move them. How did you like when you started writing at Saturday Night Live, the writing part of it? What was? Well, I liked it. I liked writing sketches, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the first week I got two sketches on, which was like amazing. 
But then, of course, I was so arrogant about it. Then every time after that, if I didn't get two on, I'd be like, what's the matter with these people? <laughs> this is gold I'm handing. <laughs> and that's how, but that's how everybody was over there. It's like, you know, you have to be like that. Right. You know, to, you have to believe that you're really writing the best stuff. So, but the first week I scored bigs and I was like, hey, man, you know. Uh, so at that point, you started to enjoy getting on the air a little more, though? Than, of course, yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so that was always the goal, though? It wasn't writing? No, I never thought that could happen. But then mm -hmm. when it started to happen, I was like, yeah, I'll grab it, you know? Yeah. And in the middle of that is when Norm had his whatever happened yeah. between him and him. Yeah. <laughs> the, and then, uh, yeah. The legend there. And I guess it was just the fact that you were there at the time. They didn't want to look outside. Or no, they wanted to they, look outside. They did. I remember going along and going, look, I don't want Norm to leave. But if he's left, I'm telling you, I'll take it. I don't want because I was afraid they were going to go with yeah. somebody else. And then I would have been even more pissed. So, you know. That had to be a strange position, right, for you? I mean, yeah, writing for weird. Norm and then. Oh, you know, Norm, like. You guys be on the air. We were like good friends there, you know. Yeah. And then suddenly he's uh, and we lived in the same building, so we see each other in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> we worked on the movie last year on yeah. Grown Ups, and me and him were together all day, every day. <laughs> and we just like you know we're like old friends, but we haven't seen each other much since then. And then one night we're just sitting there, and he's having coffee. He goes, "Yeah, hey, how about the went to around old days?" He goes, "How about the time you ruined my life?" <laughs> 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 well, he was out no matter what, he's, right? No he's matter already who. Out, yeah. of course. I mean, but it is kind of that thing of like, that thing. yeah, when you're, you know, your good buddy breaks up with a beautiful girl, you're like, well, she's going to date somebody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> comparing you to everybody who's ever been in that position before. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I, I was sort of thinking about that. In retrospect, my happiest years on there, on Saturday Night Live, were before that. Mm -hmm. When I was doing those characters and little right. stuff, like I did this New York Times thing, I break down the New York Times. Right. Like, that was more my style. Doing jokes, one punchline, wait, pause, newscast. Yeah. Not, not, not my style, you know what I mean? And it's also one of those things that it kind of looks easy to the people who don't know. People that are watching, like, well, he's got jokes in front of him, yeah. doesn't even have to memorize. So people, I think, that normally watch that, and if one joke bombs on Weekend Update, people at home are like, yeah. come on. Yeah, it's a style for certain people. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is, easy. in a certain way, it is easy in that it's a self-contained world, but not for my style of Right. My style of comedy. But it is, if you have the right style, it can be really good, you know? Yeah, well, your stuff is to comment on things. Exactly, and that wasn't right for that. You yeah. know? I didn't realize it at the time, luckily. Yeah, <laughs> luckily. <laughs> so you're around. Only in, in retrospect, I go, yeah. oh. And it was just when the internet came out. Right. Like when people, not when it came out, but when people started commenting. Yeah, we're messing So I was one of the first people to <laughs> get hammered on that fucking internet and I mean and, it, and Lord and them used to read it yeah. they figured like hey this is like the mind of the public right, yeah. and they're reading all the shit and I'm like ah oh. I would just read it every week and then you know since then nothing can hurt me really you just you go into Lauren's office and he's on his first message board yeah look at this yeah yeah it was brutal 
but you know, it is brutal now. Everyone's used to it. Now. Oh yeah, everybody's used to it. Right. And we've you know had the opportunity to meet the people who write those things, <laughs> and they're like these fucking people right here. <laughs> they're just uh, they're just the worst. Yeah, it got pretty. It got pretty. It, it was it was interesting. You know? Yeah, but at first everybody did treat it like it was New oh, York like Times. It was, yeah, like it was the Oracle. <laughs> I mean, it would just sit there and go, "Hey, this is the public speaking." The yeah. Public. And people are going, uh, Punchy 368 thinks you're terrible. <laughs> you know? And you're like, who is he? What's the background? Yes. Yeah. He must be somebody if he can actually get on. <laughs> you're right. He's like an exclusive yeah. club. He's got to get on fucking on there. He's yeah. got his name up there. It was more president than TV credit, right? So, right? so fairly quick into this, you're like, it's not for me. But No, I didn't know that. Oh, you it didn't was know over. Yeah. Like I said, I wasn't aware, thank God. Yeah. But when it was over, I was like, yeah, I was kind of strange but i mean uh but when it ended it was like uh yeah i started to look at it and go yeah it's not necessarily my format you know so was it a thing where lauren decided it wasn't your format or? i think it was uh i think we both decided <laughs> i mean it's hard to say really what it was sort of like a, a party of the ways like mm, yes sir, like a bow and, mm -hmm. uh, but i mean he was definitely he wasn't like, when I was like, hey, man, maybe I should leave. He wasn't like grabbing my leg. No. <laughs> you can't do this. The show. This is what happened when Chevy left. This is terrible. <laughs> All right, Ron, out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he kind of stayed in your corner after you yeah, left. No, that. He was always, yeah, he was always, he was always, I mean, look, he, he hired me as a writer mm -hmm. when I bombed. At the audition, and then he got me on the air, and then he got me on update. I mean, you know, right? Be pretty good. Uh, and then when you did the the short thing with NBC after that, right? Was, was he involved in that yeah. anyway? Or he was the yeah. Uh, yeah, you got to put it together. The guy who put it together. So that had to be strange. I know to sell what you were doing with the Colin Quinn show to NBC, even for the amount of time they got it on, it was a very strange thing to happen. Yeah, I think you know. In retrospect, I can't believe it was on for three, yeah. three episodes. It was. It was truly. I, I could just imagine if I, what I know of networks, they must have been fucking horrified. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because, There's no way. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's one thing even if you got that at eleven thirty or twelve thirty. Yeah. But what time were you on? Uh, nine o'clock. Yeah, it felt, it felt incredibly early. Yeah, for that show to be on television. Yeah, we're on a nine or nine thirty, I think, right at the Fear Factor. Yeah, and you just you pretty and much Fear came Factor out swinging, right? It just oh, felt like you were out, swinging yeah. hard. I mean, I was very proud of that show. Yeah, it was really a, a different thing to see on. Yeah. Uh, what was the whole con concept behind that? How were you able to pitch the that? The concept was yeah. what became Tough Crowd, but I mean, mm -hmm. the concept was to get all the... Because I would be watching these comedians. I feel like the world... And still, I feel like it's even worse. I thought it was going to get better. I feel like it's fucking worse. Right. But I felt like the whole world is being politically correct, especially the media. So everything they said was either sensitive or it was just... Everything they said was so, like... Just like the right thing to say, but that's fine for certain things. It's not good for fucking comedy, right? You know what I mean. And so I felt like everybody was always on the right. And then I'd go to the comedy cellar, and people would be on stage. Just everybody would be saying what people were really feeling. Right. You know what I mean? Like the secret little things that everybody, you know what I mean? Like true feelings about human humanity, and everybody's, you know, just just real feelings about everything and and then upstairs at the table it was worse it was just we'd sit there and insult each other and it was just godless is the only way to describe the table <laughs> and then I was like you know it's such a breath of fresh air and you don't see this except in the comedy scene, except in the club every time you walk through and you had to use the bathroom at the comedy scene, so you're always walking through and right. the bathroom's through the club so 
I was like, man, I wish I could get this on TV. And then we got it on. I was so proud. But after three episodes, they were like, oh, what the? It, we didn't it, sign up for this. It, it really is interesting, though, um, and because, again, you're brutal. But even in the stuff like uh, I saw Comedian, the thing Jerry right, right, right. does. And uh, I, I hope that you guys all get to see this because everything that Colin's talking about now about comedy, you see Seinfeld doing and, yeah. and Colin's working with him on it. But it's really like one of the, the most human sides of Jerry. It's like the, the not stage Jerry, not the TV Jerry. Right. When he's sitting there... Uh, he is one of the guys yeah. when he's when he's hanging out with you. It's a really interesting thing to see. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and uh, that, and that's what it was supposed to. That, that that's what that's what I love about the NBC show. But more even in Tough Crowd, there were certain people that would just be themselves, and right. like, they weren't trying. Like I always bring up the examples of Nick DiPaolo and Patrice O'Neill, mm -hmm. who, of course, at first the network's like, "Well, those guys are not that likable." I'm like, "I know." That's <laughs> because they're saying they're not advertising themselves as likable guys. <laughs> they advertise themselves as funny, right? So that they were being themselves, not trying to phony it up and be like, "Hey, guys, like me," you know, mm -hmm. and just being funny on their own terms. Like that's there's something to be said for that too, you know. Oh, absolutely. even though absolutely. they heard this, both of them probably think I'm very likable. What's he talking about? <laughs> You know, they're deluded. <laughs> right. <laughs> they need to know. They'd be like, what? What's he talking about? Well, I can be a little harsh sometimes. <laughs> but that's, that's the great thing about that, that there, it's one thing to put together six minutes for The Tonight Show, and that's a really great right. thing. But for a person just to sit here the way you're being today, right. being funny off the top of their, your head is whatever the magic comes from, I think. You know what I mean? Like, that's that that's the gift part of it. Sure, and know? the years of doing it, of right. course, too. I mean, you right. know, anybody's comfortable. I mean, you know, at this point, if this many years, if you can't be somewhat funny... <laughs> right. But, <laughs> get, get out. <laughs> Just But leave. yeah, it's a combination. Right. Like, like I said, like the guy I was telling you about, Al from Long Island, it was yeah. so funny. I don't know if he could ever do it, like, but I bet if he had trained for 20... I mean, sure. The guy was like a genius. He'd come in with a 25-minute story but, you know, from this thing, and it was always genius. So, well, I mean, uh, Brian Regan was telling me the same thing sitting here one day where he was saying that I, he I'm not a fan of Brian. Go well, on. no one is. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I, you'll, be, you'll be glad to know his unmasked was just awful. Uh, never got a laugh. <laughs> Uh, but he but he came up with the thing that some of the funniest people have just never tried to actually do comedy. That's that right. Funny and comedian is not always the same exact thing. No, One is right. the craft and you know the other yeah. is whatever you get. Yeah, and there's plenty of guys that are not that funny that became right. comedians because they knew that craft and they went up there and worked it. They worked their craft and then also some of them, and we've had them on the show, just happen to be really <laughs> good business people. You know what I mean? <laughs> there, there, that's great. There are, but do you, you see why that's funny? I hate yeah. to break down comedy. It's funny because he goes, and some of them, we've had them on the show, they just, like he went back to his sentence. <laughs> just threw it in. I almost dropped show, his name. I almost, oh, no. I almost slipped his name. Yeah, well, there's always a few. But I yeah. mean, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think there's so many funny people that just, you know, like you said, they didn't bother with it or whatever reason. Well, when you when you did the Colin Quinn show, you did you think this thing could take off, or you yes. like we're just slipping it in? Everything I've done, <laughs> you don't understand, and yeah. it's probably what's kept me alive right. to this day. When I write projects, I'm like, this is gonna get made. Yeah, and then they don't make them. I mean, right. and yeah, that show, I was like, of course they're gonna pick it up. It's new. Nobody does anything like it. You know, but it's like there's no way they're not going to do it. There's no way they're not. Now, only in the past year or two have I gotten kind of like negative about like what the networks and like I'm starting to really take them seriously right. that they really are 
uh, scared or whatever they are. They really are, you know, they refuse to do things based on ideology or based on fear of like repercussion. Like yeah. I used to think if it's funny, they know they don't have that much funny shit. They're going to do it. Right. They, they can't afford to be that picky when it comes to funny. But they, they'd rather do stuff that's mildly humorous and get not get themselves in in some kind of, you know, I feel like it's almost like a, a psychological debate with themselves where they have to reassess what they think fucking life is. Sure. You know? Well, I also think... Uh, <laughs> and you tell I spend a lot of time alone thinking about these... <laughs> it, did, it does almost sound like a unibomber. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they... That's what they are slowly driving me towards. <laughs> if they don't step up soon, that do seems like the inevitable fucking but, end. But, <laughs> do you know how valuable this interview will then become? <laughs> this, this will be great. I'll be on Good Morning America. Yeah. I felt something. <laughs> I should have called. I saw. I should have called someone. And all you guys are going to look bad because you'll be laughing at the right. guy that killed thousands of people in fucking Hollywood. <laughs> you'll be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like it's an like NBC yeah. Burbank is detonated. <laughs> They'll be like everybody throwing their arms up with Hitler, yes. with that whole crowd. That, you know their relatives are still right. alive today. Right. That's my grandfather right there. Uh, um, but you, uh, but the thing about it is there is when we go back to the integrity factor, you do have it with that. Whether yeah, that's well, always a good thing or a bad thing. But I, I was bringing up that people in these corporations, and I think government is the same way, people just get there and just try to keep their, that job as long as they can. They which, know it's well, not permanent. I understand, but, but, but at the same time, they have pretensions of artistic. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if they spoke and just said, look, man, I'm watching, I'm covering my ass. But yeah. these people have fucking aspirations and they talk shit their whole lives about being trying to do artistic stuff. That's the part that drives me crazy. So they'll actually sit there and say to you, we want the kind of stuff you're talking oh, about. Oh, they fucking... <laughs> they, <laughs> <laughs> that's the sad thing yeah. you can never act your way out when there's some subject that's constantly on your mind you start spewing like it's so relaxed my fucking venom is so relaxed and organic now but that's since the 80s push the envelope right fucking edgy they use yeah. these words and it just ah oh, I mean does it sometimes hurt that your anger brings laughter? That uh, <laughs> your, your pain? It's nice. Usually, it's one person has to be suffering, listening to me ramble. So I just got to have a someone is having coffee with you. Yeah, I know, Colin. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, you should yeah. be huge. Should have Oscars by now. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's pretty basically it, Rod. Yeah. So when when you spun that into tough crap. Right. You did find uh, a home there for this show. Yes, at first. Yeah. It was definitely a home as far as they were like, look, this show belongs with us. You know, yeah. it's like, uh, and, um, you know, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I did it there, and then, you know, it went great as far as for a while, but then yeah. <laughs> trouble ensued. <laughs> and I blame the dumb comedians, too, because all the comedians, <laughs> like, because I love comedians so much, like, and the regulars there, I really did love them. More than they deserved in many ways. But they would actually, like, be always like, ah, 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 he always gets canceled. And I was like, ah, ah, ah. But really, I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> then when it got canceled, I felt like they put it out there. Right. 
so, so they had zero pressure on them. This is just yeah. like a fun gig. They get to come in, plug oh, where yeah. they're going. And but they acted like all the pressure was on them. Yeah. Just, each woman come in. You know how comedians are. They come in every day like, yeah, thank God I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it, Kyle. Take a break. Yeah. How did you get along with every all the other shows there at Comedy Central? Did it feel like you were part of it? or It just, even on that, yeah. even on that network, you guys still stuck out like a sore thumb. You just, you just, <laughs> even on Comedy Central and Cable, you're watching this and you're like, is this really television? It was yeah. a really different I mean, show. We said there every day, what we said on that show would have gotten you fired from any, you'd be on the front sure. page of every magazine. We said every day in public, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, well, I mean, we knew all the other comedians sort of from, you know, I mean, I know John Stewart for years, I know all these guys, but I mean, it's not like anybody hung out with each other. It was more right. like just all little world of our show, you know. But if you watch John's show and um, the Colbert show, these are really polished, sharp, well written right. comedy shows <laughs> where you guys were just swinging. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of work to make something look like it's not rehearsed. It did occasionally look like someone was going to get hit with a chair on yeah. the show. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> These guys are out of their mind. But, um, yeah, it got very uh, volatile because, because we're bringing up real subjects that mm -hmm. people just have big opinions on, you know? So every time it was funny, but then it would turn into a screaming match. Did the did the networks think they could tweak it at all, or did they just feel Yeah, like they, they, they tried to uh, talk to me a couple of times, mm -hmm. but that's not talking to him. Um, <laughs> they tried to talk to me, like, at one point they were like, you know, you guys talk about race almost every day. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, tell Patrice, tell Keith, tell the black could And I mean, what to me, the height of hypocrisy mm -hmm. was that they would like say, you guys, they would bleep all black comedians saying the N-word. Mm -hmm. But Chappelle, which was on earlier, which was on later than us, no, er, earlier than us, so actually that's, you know, usually, right. they would say it 50 times, you know? Right. So even all black, when the black comedians would say N-word, they'd bleep us. Well, because it was a white show, I guess, or whatever they, rationale. Or maybe it's because Chappelle actually wrote that bit, where you guys were just using it. Describing just, each yeah. other. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> your, your show, it really felt like it was meant to hurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure it was. The, um, but I remember one time they actually said, okay, because I was complaining about this. You know, it was like symbolic to me of everything. Right. And um, I go, you guys. So they go, okay, to, the subject was the N-word. So mm -hmm. they go, okay, you guys can use it. Even the white guys, we're not going to believe anybody. And the censor came up to me and said, but, you know, try to be like, do it within reason. So I said, yes, you're right. So, of course, every asshole on the show that day. Abuse it. all the white guys. <laughs> Where at the end, I was just looking at the sense of like, I swear to God, I did not mean any of this. It was like ridiculous what happened. That right. Day. So that was like, you know, then in that case, the censor was right. I was, <laughs> I was like, all right, just do whatever you have to do. <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, they wanted to change the whole racial component of the show. I mean, it was every day. It was a rip. You know, I wouldn't necessarily bring it up, but it would get brought up, and everybody sure. just be talking about it, start yelling, you know. And uh, I mean, I was, you know, I, I can't act like I wasn't involved. I'm like, hey, everybody's talking. I was just. Yeah, <laughs> but but I mean, but then they were like, "Why can't you guys talk about, you know, like celebrity stuff, more celebrity-driven stuff?" And yeah. I was like, "Can you imagine me going to like 
Nick DiPaolo, Patrice O'Neill, going, hey, fellas, you hear about the Paris Hilton thing? <laughs> they would destroy me. <laughs> you know? I mean, I love doing it, but, you know, whatever. I mean, you, know. you did wrangle. I will give you that. No, I, think, I don't think people who watch that understand what it's like to try to tug that back every Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I tried, right? <laughs> right. You did try. <laughs> But I I watched uh, some of it on YouTube just the other you know knowing that you were coming on to do this and I actually thought at one point how did this get on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> that's the ultimate compliment. Now that's a compliment. I thought. Um, well, they always gay lip service at comedy is supposed to be provoking and right. Stuff. Absolutely, so what the fuck? It's supposed absolutely. To be people's thoughts out loud that nobody would say. And truly, in the middle of all these cable networks, so you tell me that we can't have a half hour here and there of this kind of stuff. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> Apparently not. not. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been trying to push them for five and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, do you have any plans? Is there a, a big thing that you're thinking about next? Or yeah, well, I mean, I'm doing a lot of different stuff. You know, I'm mm -hmm. trying to get a bunch of stuff going on, but. I mean, you know, I've been doing that for years. Like I say, since I left, I write scripts, I write stand-up, I do shows, I do everything. How about you a know? book? You seem like you got uh, Everyone a Everyone says to do a book. I don't know why I don't want to write a book. Yeah. What, a novel? I would write a novel. Yeah. I wouldn't write a book, though, you know. Yeah, not not your, <laughs> no, I'm not saying your like, show business bio. Right, I don't right. want you to waste your I don't time. Like those, yeah. I'm I'm looking for Angela's Ashes part two. <laughs> <laughs> I, seriously, I have it in my mind that you are the Irish storyteller. That that's that's the thing that you're that you're meant to do. I really do think you can well, pull that off. Yeah, maybe I should. Obviously, yeah. nothing else is working. <laughs> <laughs> I promised some of these people they could ask questions as well if you don't sure. mind. But uh, it's been so much fun. Sitting around here with you. Uh, who do we got here? Uh, hi, Colin. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, when you were scouting for Last Comic Standing, uh, what was it that you were looking for? First of all, that's a statement that I could sue you for slander. <laughs> <laughs> I was a judge on Last Comic Standing as a favor to Jay Moore. He asked me if I'd be a judge. It's my you sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, so I didn't. This, this kid makes it feel like you're out hitting the bushes, looking for that next like, big ball player. He's like, "Hey, Mister Autistic, <laughs> why are you out scouting for last comic standing?" Yeah, yeah. Can I just say one more funny yeah. thing about autistic pretensions? Yeah, which I said I can't always. Other memorial when one time we were hanging out, mm -hmm. and um, I was talking about stand up. We were in the middle of an MTV remote control, so we we're autographing all the stuff after the show. You know, and it's like all these, just like, you know, everybody's like wild, drinking point. And I'm talking to Kenny, I'm going, I just, you know, stand up. I start going into this like autistic explanation for stand up. I'm like, you know, because really, I mean, what um, our essence of what we're trying to do, stand up wise, if you look back, and then just then some girl comes up and hands me a pen and pulls her shirt down for me to sign a tit. And he goes, hey, what do you have to say now, fucking Spalding Gray? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was a judge on Last Comic Standing. What was I looking for then? I mean, I've never scouted for them, but uh, I don't know. Well, you got such a scarless room, young man. <laughs> I was but looking I mean, for a paycheck. What's, what's the big you're deal? Trying to say what are the what are the things I think stand up? I mean, stand up to me, it's like if I could do it all over again, the way I would do it if I was anybody going into stand up, is just I would write 
every story that happened, I would write each thing in a story that happened to me. So you always have a beginning and end, and then just put in whatever jokes you could do. But but I'd make it things that happened to me. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the only way to be original. This way, nobody can really steal off you, and you always have an end to your story. So if you're going upstate, if you're doing stand up, you always have a story of your life. So you'll never fight, you'll never forget it, and you, you know just sprinkle the jokes in. But I mean, that's not what I would look for stand up wise. But like I said, I only judged that one time. So everything would be. Haunt me. Yeah. <laughs> everything would be totally personally based for you. I would base everything on a real story so you always had an end. Because remember, I'm mm-hmm. very qualified to talk about this because I bombed for years in stand up. So I know what I did wrong. And one of the things I did wrong was I didn't know, I didn't let the audience know where the ending could be. Yeah. And plus, if you're talking about your own life, you can never go wrong. Nobody can really steal your style. And it will help you strongly build your style. You easier. know who exactly that sounds like? Spalding Gray, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I but think. also Bill Cosby. Yeah. Bill Cosby does that when you yeah. think about it. He'll take one story and it'll be a 30-minute. It could be the dentist, but it goes into his daughters. He digresses into his right. about his, And then back to the story. Yeah. And they follow him the whole time. And they follow, follow him the whole time. Yeah. Uh, let's go uh, over here. Um, on your days at Saturday Night Live, do you remember a host being particularly bad uh, when you were there? Um, well, you know, I was like kind of out of the loop as far as hosts. I mean, everybody always said Chevy Chase, like they would probably, but I thought Chevy Chase was funny as hell when he came on. He was just a real bull buster, but it was like, it was funny, you know, like he wasn't doing it, he wasn't being malicious. He was just like, a, you know, he's just crazy, you know what I mean? <laughs> they all killed him in that book, though. They when killed he him in that yeah. book. Yeah. But I was there that time. I thought he was funny. Yeah, for you're just reading this book and it's everyone's memories of, of Saturday Night Live and anytime Chevy came back to host the show, everyone just act like he's ruined everything. Yeah, but he was such a funny ball buster in a certain right. way that it's hard to... You know, it wasn't like he was just bullying people. He was, he'd bust lawns, but he just, he's, he's just a hyper guy. He's like a kid. Right. He's like a little kid. Right. He just goes and just fucks things up and throws shit. <laughs> he's just, but it's funny the way he does it. But why do you think it is... What is it about his personality? Personality that people were just or was it the fact that he was already successful, had money, you know, what bothered him? Well, about? I guess it was just a style of personality yeah. that comedians, of course, love because, like, one time he came on the show and I was warming up the crowd before the show. So it's like a kind of an important thing, and you're up there warming up and trying mm-hmm. to get little laughs, and the show's about to start. And he walks through the crowd and they all start applauding like crazy, and he comes up to me. He leans in and hugs me. And he just goes, I just wanted to fuck you up and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a particular bit that you wrote for In Living Color that you're the most proud of? Ah, my In Living Color. Well, they barely used any of my bits, but I wrote one bit. This is. It's sad that I remember this bit, but it was for... Uh, Snow. Do you remember Snow? He was a Canadian rapper. Oh, sure. <laughs> and it was Informer, that song Informer. <laughs> and my bit was, in four months, you know, you're going to be back in Toronto with a day job. <laughs> Which turned out to be very precious. <laughs> I'm not proud that I remember that bit to this day, but like I said, I, I didn't get a lot of things on. <laughs> Jim Carrey, which shows, once again, my great acumen, was leaving to go do Ace Ventura 1. And I remember thinking to myself, this poor idiot is walking out of his last big shot here in Living Color. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had read that script. That script was shit until Jim Carrey made it Jim Carrey's. Right. That script was floating around Hollywood for years. They're trying to get people. I even read it. That's how low they got. I, and, I, yeah, and I'm sure it still reads like shit. I I'm mean, sure it's it does. It really, he just took it and made yeah, it. He just, about one, yeah, he just. Yeah. 
Uh, so you were like, "Don't do this, Jim." Whatever. No, I I didn't have that kind of power at the right. time. Now, did I would you be did you move in the out to LA? While he's getting his makeup. Hey, what do you think of this show? <laughs> <laughs> did you move out to LA during that time, or? Yes, that's when I was out in LA. That yeah. was uh, she showed my like right. It was between right before SNL. Mm-hmm. I had my writer's experience there. Is that uh, was did that change the way you looked at the world to live in LA for a while? Because you're such a New York guy. Yeah, I mean, it was good. L.A.'s good in a certain way because it gives you a real, real picture of, like, showbiz. You know, you just drive around by yourself in a car for hours at a time every day. And you're going to really confront yourself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. It's reality. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would. it's not really a place I would want to spend my life. But I like L.A., all right. But, yeah, when I was writing there, it was, it was interesting because also as a writer, instead of being a performer, I had to look at it from that point of view, too, not be sure. So that that was good experience. It was good for when I got hired by SNL. I was already a writer, so I had experience. Uh, let's go over here. Hey, uh, what do you think of the current SNL squad? Hilarious. <laughs> I swear to God, I think they're so they're fucking hilarious. I can't believe it. They're really funny. I mean, Chris and Wig, of course, but like Bill Hay and uh, all of them. Just everybody does one thing that I'm like. I mean, I don't even watch it that much, but every time I watch it, I watch it on fucking Hulu all the time and shit. <laughs> and like. Fred Armisen doing that comedian. You know, he does that comedian <laughs> in the newspaper and the army jacket. <laughs> Just everybody does so much shit, but she's like a damn... And even Justin Timberlake. I don't want to like this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he did that... Ske- I keep watching that sketch, you know, uh, a classic peg, where it's like, you know, him with her, she's like the target lady, and he starts going into this. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I think they're as good as any, any... I mean, the cast, I was lucky. You know, the people I was with, Will and Sherry, all the, they were fucking amazing. They brought the show back. That right. show was about to get canceled. Remember? Well, it was just like about that time, too, that they started to focus on women and yeah. haven't taken their focus off it. It's a really That's right. strong wo- woman show now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And look at Chris and Wagan. Look at all these other new girls. Yeah. Jenny Elliott and all that. Uh, is, it, is it tough for you to write, write for women because uh, you have this kind of masculine point of view? Is that easy for you when you're writing your screenplays and stuff? Uh, I mean, no. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. we, we'll know if one of them will ever get fucking made. Mm. Then, <laughs> then I'd love to be criticized. <laughs> But as it is, it's just me in my room <laughs> and my co- and my coffee friends. This script, you're right, Colin. It's great, Colin. You know, it's That's a sin. That's a women character, <laughs> right? It's a sin. It's a sin. This isn't bigger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, sir, uh, Colin. Uh, any favorite moments from Remote Control, either on air or backstage? Well, I mean. Uh, on air, the, the the most favorite moment was what happened was if you won, if you hit all the videos, they'd be lying in this craftmatic adjustable bed at the end. And if you won all the videos, you'd win a Mitsubishi Montero. That was the big prize, Mitsubishi Montero. <laughs> so one kid, yeah, you'd have to guess the seven videos. And it was hard. You know, you guess the video. So they're like sitting there mm-hmm. and they're lying in the bed. And they have to go, okay, that's White Snake. That's fucking, you know. Uh, you know, was not was. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the fucking stone roses. And then, so then this one kid, I can't remember, but I remember the kid actually came up to me years later. And go, you know, some girl was like halfway through. She was, and she and we just she had six out of seven, and she said me and Kari. The girl that was on the show with me, we went, leaned in and whispered the last one to her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure Mr. B, she's pissed at that one. <laughs> 
Uh, Colin, I always know that, that this is a good uh, unmask when the hour goes by so fast. I feel like we just got to scratch the surface with you, man. So it's just a pleasure. The legend, Colin Quinn. Let him hear it. That's great. You know what you've been doing? You've been listening to the Ron and Fez Show. It's now over, but don't worry. You can listen again and again on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand.